Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to the Spotlight. It is Thursday. It is June 1st. Shout out to Big Dick MLJ for the intro. I'm Jeremy Lambert. That's Steven Jensen. Jensen? What do you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. I might want to wait for people to kind of trickle in for the show today. Thanks for everyone who's joining us early, uh, doing another 8.30 show this morning, because I got to work uh we're overtime at the shoot job today. So this is back-to-back weeks at 8.30. Uh, we did this last week. So well, thanks to everyone who's... Week. Yeah, so thanks to everyone who's who's here nice and early with us. I want to give a quick shout-out, um, an, an, an unrelated shout-out real quick as we're starting the show. Um, I'll, I'll give a, a little plug. I'm wearing the... Uh, this is the Richard Holiday shirt that they're doing on Pro Wrestling Tees. I uh, I picked one of these up just the other day, and it just, it just came in the mail, uh, I think, like yesterday. So um all the proceeds for this go for uh like for uh towards like childhood cancer and all that kind of stuff so um just for anyone out there that wants to help because you know obviously richard um holidays in remission we talked about that on the show and uh it's something that's like really important to me um like supporting these kind of these kind of things especially for like childhood cancer and that kind of stuff is really important so i just wanted to give it give a shout out if anyone wants one of these shirts they're over there on pro and uh all the all the proceeds go towards that. So, um, outside of that, though, man, I'm I'm good, dude. Uh, how are you doing? I'm well. We already got a super chat from our pal Kai. Shout out to yeah. Kai. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Jensen. LFG. Yeah, the yeah. famous words of Tony Khan, I guess. Famous words of Mister Phil, Mister Phil Brooks, as well. A lot of people use that. I know you're excited. Uh, yeah, shout out to to Richard Holiday. He's gonna be returning to the ring yep. soon. I know he. He came back. He announced he was in remission at the Beyond show, and now he's actually going to be booked and doing some wrestling. So good on him. Go get that shirt. Go support Richard Holiday, uh, guys. At about ten o'clock a.m. Eastern, we have a great interview with Ernie Osiris and Logan Easton Larue from Fight Pro. Uh, Ernie is the event manager at Fight Pro, and then Logan is not only part of that as part of the company as a wrestler, but an independent wrestler on a. Uh, on his own, he he's appeared on AEW Dark and 
He appeared as Race Jackson, which Jensen was very excited to ask about and get into on the interview. So if you've heard of Race Jackson and allegedly the worst wrestler in the world, that is Logan Easton LaRue and a much better wrestler. So a very fun interview with, with those guys. And they have an announcement at the end of that interview uh, regarding if you want to get a discount on tickets to the upcoming Fight Pro on June 25th, there is a promo code that you can use that has spotlight in it. So if you are in the area to go to the Fight Pro event on June 25th, you can use a promo code to get a discount on tickets. All you gotta do, stay tuned to the end of the end of the interview, or you know, check the description below because I put it there as well. <laughs> yes, great interview. Y'all, y'all gonna enjoy that. Those guys, those guys are great. And it's a cool concept. Like what they're doing with Fight Pro, it sounds like a really fun. It's a thirteen. Well, you'll hear about all this in the interview, but it's a 13 episode show they're doing on IWTV. Um, it starts on June 6th. So, um, this upcoming was it Tuesday? This upcoming Tuesday, I think. Um, yeah, yeah so, uh, so yeah, um, y'all, y'all hear all about that in the interview later. Um, yeah, outside of that, man, yeah, I've seen, I've seen some more. I, 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 no joke, I went and saw the Mario movie again. Not even kidding, I went and saw it a second time. What? I, no, go see Fast 10 again. I, so I saw Fast 10. I'll say this. So I went and saw The Machine, the Burt Kreischer movie also. And um, Fast 10 was a masterpiece in comparison to The Machine. So like... It's a masterpiece, period. Well, and that's... Because it's been a long time since I've gone to movies. Like, really has. Like, it's been over... Legitimately over 10 years. And then, like, I just got like, dove back deep into it because I got, like, the AMC... I, I, like, joined, like, the AMC rewards thing or whatever. So I've been going a lot. Um, I won't give any spoilers for people in the chat. I won't. I won't do that. But um, I'll just say this: like after I, after I saw Fast Five, I was like, "Oh, this is so cheesy. This isn't for me. Like it's too it's too ridiculous." And then I saw the machine, and I was like, "Okay, now I see like Fast Ten is like incredible in comparison to a movie like The Machine." So it's like I there I see the levels there. Um, and listen, I I've known about the machine story since Burt Kreischer told it on the Joe Rogan experience, like believe it or not i was a joe rogan podcast listener before that thing blew up like i was watching him on like Ustream and like justin tv and stuff like that back in the day like before the podcast was even a real thing um my ex-girlfriend was like obsessed with joe rogan because she loved fear factor so like i got in on fear Fa- on, on joe rogan like super early and uh anyways um so i had like all the reason in the world to love the machine i also love jimmy tatro who plays like the young version of uh of uh burt kreischer one of my favorite shows ever is real bros of simi valley which is available on the internet people should check that out anyways i i went into the the machine with like the with the most good faith possible and by the end of that movie i was like oh my god i I just wasted so much of my time i can't believe i just saw this um so anyway i kept joking about like i saw fast 10 i should have just seen the mario movie again i saw the machine i should have seen the mario movie again so i went ahead and just saw the mario movie again this last time was the machine about like this big like monster type thing, but it does like a bunch of flips and stuff when it should be working more of a power style? <laughs> no, this yeah. What's what's confusing about the machine, honestly, for me, and this really isn't spoilers. This is really more of like a heads up. I thought it was gonna be like a comedy, which I guess it it kind of is. I just didn't think it was funny. But it was like more of like an action movie of like Burt Kreischer just being like a badass and stuff. Like and like it was like a it was like an action movie. And I was like, I thought it was gonna be like a funny movie about the story of like the machine that he's told. But it's really like it's kind of like a he's kind of telling what the machine story was, 
And then, but like the actual movie is like him returning to Russia and people know about the machine stories, like a legend there, but then he's like an action hero basically for the movie. And it's like, anyway, it didn't hit for me at all. I know there's people that enjoyed it. There's actually people that like tweeted at me that were like, dude, you're crazy. That movie was hilarious. I love that movie. And I was like, fair enough. But I, I was going to see, see something I thought was going to be funny. And then like, it wound up just being like this weird, like action movie. So, and I was like, if I'm going to see an action movie, fast 10 was like a way better action movie. You know what I mean? So, this is what it is. You know it's going to have plenty of action. Steven Jensen. Yeah. June 17th. AEW Collision. AEW Collision. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of action. I'm old and I'm fucking tired. And I work with fucking children. <laughs> I'm tired of wrestling these kids that think they uh, they know everything. Mm. He's back. He is back, baby. Tony Khan made the announcement last night. He said that... Uh, on like Tuesday night, they were like, we're going to have a big announcement pertaining to the debut of AEW Collision. Everybody was trying to talk themselves into it not being CM Punk or being some type of tease for CM Punk. And Tony Khan is just like, June 17th, AEW Collision, United Center Chicago, the return of CM Punk. Big smile. Thanks to the great fans of AEW. Mixed reaction for Punk. Got some CM Punk chance. That's a booze in there as well. Uh, but the crowd reacted, and that's what matters, right? Mm. Crowd reacted. They didn't sit in silence like uh, they did for half of Double or Nothing. The crowd reacted. Jensen, I know you're fired up, baby. Let's go. We're 17 days away from the yeah. return of CM Punk. Collision Man Punk. Let's go. All right. I'm not going to do whatever thinks I'm going to do. Freak out, man. Um listen all i'm saying is last week i think it was last week we talked about this a little bit and you seem pretty confident you're like oh he's gonna get cheered big time like people are gonna be pumped to see cm punk back baby face yeah in chicago in chicago yeah but i said outside of chicago i don't know about that and dude that was definitely more that was definitely more booze than cheers last night and i I don't want to get into the debate what was called a mixed reaction just so people don't get upset think i'm being too much of a hater it was absolutely a mixed reaction we'll say that but i saw some videos that people took live in the arena and it seemed like way more booze live like when people like i saw people turning the cameras around and looking at the crowd it was like all booze like there was a few people like a little few pockets of people See ya, punk. See ya, but it was like very sparse. It was like, more booze. I I felt it was more booze as well. The wife was adamant that it was nothing but booze, and they didn't cheer for this man at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I think that's going to be the he's he should be a heel when he comes back, one million percent. Like he he's and, and by the way, I would love to see a heel CM Punk in like this environment. Plus, he's got the shaved head and stuff. I think that's what they're planning on doing. That's kind of like a CM Punk heel move to be like, you know, to be like the shaved head CM Punk and stuff. Um, but I, you know, it's he's going to get cheered in Chicago, obviously. But outside of that, I, I honestly think he needs to be a heel because they he's going to continue to get mixed reactions. And there's going to be there's going to be certain audiences that are going to just straight up boo him because there's going to be pro elite crowds. There's going to be and there's there's a lot of people listen there's i totally i've I've had to i don't want to have to keep saying the same thing over and over again people can check out like previous episodes of this but like 
there there's a lot of people that feel the way that I do about it a lot and and we're not always like the vocal majority when it comes to this kind of stuff like there's a lot of people that feel like I feel that have just been sitting back this whole time and been like just letting the discourse play out but haven't been like super vocal about it I think you're going to hear a lot of vocal AEW fans like when CM Punk comes back like the, the boos are going to be noticeable he's going to get a lot of like FU Punk type chants I think like the fans are not going to take or there it's gonna it's not gonna be what I think Tony Khan expected unless here's the thing they needed to be prepared either way for him to be a heel because like him having a heel run was going to make sense anyways eventually in AEW like they were going to have to do that anyway and CM Punk is a phenomenal heel like I'm so people also have to understand as much as like a hater as I am in certain ways when it comes to this I recognize that CM Punk as a heel with people knowing the backstory of like why he's been gone from AEW obviously he was injured but like the other stuff if he can really lean into that and use that to be like just like an ultimate heel that's going to be interesting television and, he's, and the matches are going to be good and the stories are going to be good like i i've said that a thousand times like him on the actual show he's very good like his AEW run was was awesome on screen but you know i i think that i think that tony khan expected to make the announcement of cm punk last night and then it was going to be the whole the whole reno in his mind was going to be doing the cm punk cm punk C. and in reality it was like a few people doing that the majority was like oh no like you're actually bringing this guy back after all this and you know so they're gonna have to kind of deal with that and pick and choose their battles and they're gonna have to be really smart with how they book him where they book him because if they're expecting babyface reactions he's probably not going to get them outside of chicago so they need to plan on him being a heel probably which i'm sure they have but if they didn't they need to switch course i'm interested it's at the very least it's interesting um and now we know at least, and now at least we know what's happening. We don't want to keep speculating. Is he or isn't he? Are they gonna keep fighting over petty things to keep him off television or whatever? Like we we know he's 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 gonna come back. But once again, it's similar to what we were talking about before. How much of this was like they're desperate now because they've booked Chicago, they've started a whole new show, and they did all of this without having him like hundred percent locked down, probably. And now they now they have to have him locked down. So you know, do we get past collision and then figure out what to do? Or I, I think their I think their big concern right now is making sure he shows up at collision and then kind of going from there. I think he'll be there at collision. There. I've always even but. even with the the drama of the day of with the Warner Brother upfronts and him not being part of the promotional material, I was kind of confident that it would all work out. And once they announced Chicago, that was a pretty good indicator that okay, things are are working out. It's it's possible they just announced them last night because ticket sales for the first uh, episode of Collision weren't bad. I think there were about seventeen hundred not sold after they announced the United Center, and then they were just decided, eh, let's not even hint around at it anymore at this point. Let's just go ahead and announce them. Um, I don't know if Russell Six has put out like updated numbers after the announcement to see if he moved basically the rest of the tickets or close to the rest of the tickets. I imagine he's going to be there. I mean, yeah. Some, uh, Mr. Bish in the chat says, I think there's still be speculation until he's actually on screen. I, that's probably true. Yeah. Like we're 17 days out. Things turn quickly with CM Punk. Uh, it only takes one Instagram post for him to burn things down again. And it'd be like, Oh, well maybe he's not going to show up. So yeah, things turn quickly with him and we're still in 17 days is a long time in the world of professional wrestling but he's gonna be there for now i 
as far as the heel face dynamic, it was kind of happening when he was there anyway, because they booked him against so many likable guys like Eddie Kingston. People didn't want to cheer for CM Punk over Eddie Kingston. He was getting mixed reaction during that stuff. Moxley, there was some mixed stuff. He was healing himself with the call out of like Hangman. That was another guy who kind of got mixed reactions against this Hangman because he was such a likable baby face. Like he was healing himself with like that call outs with comments towards Moxley. He's going to probably continue to heal himself. Now it's a little bit worse because now you have a very clear divide with him and the elite. And I think a lot of people, I mean, Caden mentions that like, oh, 7%, MJF said 7% of the audience is online. I think MJF is very wrong about only 7% of the AEW audience being online. I think yeah. way more of the AEW audience is online. Than well, especially, especially if you heard the crowd last night, like that isn't, those, those boos are for people knowing what's up. Like, there's no other reason to be booing the return of CM Punk if you didn't know there was issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't, I think it's way more than 7% when it comes to the AEW audience. That is a, that's a pretty online audience. I mean, the man who runs the company is one of the most online people in the world. So a, a lot of the, a lot of this audience does keep up with that stuff in some form or another. And there, there are some that don't, I have friends sure. who, you know, watch the show and didn't know any of this stuff that was going on. They just watched the television product and they were very confused when all the punk stuff happened, but then that made them search of what's going on. Why was he just taking the title from it? Like that, uh, you know, I think more people probably got online with the way they handled that fallout and, it was just, hey, we're going to crown a new champion because it, reasons. And that's and what people the, decided to look up the reasons. And it was the trios also. It wasn't just Punk. Like, they stripped yeah. the, the elite also. So, like, there was a lot of fans that were just, like... Because I'm, I'm with I'm with y'all. Like, I understand that not everyone's, like, an internet wrestling fan or part of, like, the IWC or, like, sitting there, like, reading the dirt sheets all the time and stuff like that. I get that. But, like... um but it was super, super confusing how they did that. If you if you don't pay attention to that, and now all of a sudden, like, your world champion just isn't the champion anymore. Your trio's champions who were crowned, like, the night before just got stripped for the, for the first ever champions. So, yeah, like you said, either you would have to just kind of take everything at face value and just, like, accept it and just continue to watch the show and watch how things play out. Or you're going to – I think most people would probably question it like your friend did and – start looking into it and then you realize like oh this is all the stuff that happened and then from there you can kind of choose sides because listen there's I, there's there's plenty of people that just have totally have cm punk's side on this too or they have his back on it like there's there's plenty of people and i get i get what they're saying i just don't agree with it but i i understand their point of view like i like there are plenty of people that think punk's just like punk got wronged people said a bunch of stuff about him they were feeding they were feeding stuff to the dirt sheets about him hangman was saying stuff publicly about him uh, CM Punk's just trying to be the mature adult and sit down at the table with everybody and and just do business and make money. And he's used to having, you know, have fights with people happen, whatever, let's get past it. Um, so I think that's how they view it. I think it's pretty much a very simply kind of simple version of how they view it is like he like he's the one who was wronged. And, you know, he's he's just trying to get past this and get back on television. Um and I get that line of thinking. I just don't agree a lot with it because I think there's a lot more to it. And I think he's a lot in the wrong over a lot of this stuff. But I, but that's just my opinion. I, I that's, you know, I, there's people who can have their own opinions on it. And at the end of the day, n- none of us talking about it were backstage or saw any of this stuff. So all of this is just based on 
a lot of my, and this is just being honest, a lot of my own thoughts and stuff is because of the track record. It's like all the, it's the 20 years of knowing about CM Punk and how he, who he is up to this point. And then being like, oh, and also this is happening now. You know, I think, but once again, if you're a diehard, listen, if this happened to Cody Rhodes, I'm sure I'd be on Cody Rhodes' side no matter what. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Like, CM Punk has hardcore loyal fans also that no matter what, they're going to they're gonna have his back. And I respect that. If Cody Rhodes, let's put Cody Rhodes in the CM Punk position. Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. he beats John Moxley for the world title. He's confronted by MJF. Is Cody like pickles? Is Cody like uh, muffins? What What is Cody's choice? Probably whatever the sponsor is so he can act like a good <laughs> company man and be like, this is great. I Mountain love Dew, it. Pitch black. Yeah, yeah, whatever the sponsor is there. Uh, Cody's sitting up at this press conference eating what, you know, and he, he's talking about the elite. He's like, yeah, there's a divide between the EVPs. They want to do things their way. I'm trying to do things my way. I'm trying to run a business around here they're just trying to get their little jokes off doing being the elite <clears throat> it's like it's not it's not good none of this is good these empty-headed idiots like any of this and he's burying mjf for not taking his advice he's burying everybody for for shooting on him for talking about his old past always bringing up dusty and the elite mm-hmm. come and they want to talk it out and cody just he takes him down we won't say cody's throwing punches but he uses that he wins this street fight uh, sure. against uh, yeah. a hypothetical against Eddie Kingston. Sure. He takes him down. I mean, he just, you know, gets him in a headlock and everything. There's, there's Brandy biting somebody uh, over oh, off yeah. in the corner. Uh, you Are you on Cody Rhodes' side if this works out like <clears> this? There's a key question that has to be answered, though, about that. Is Cody an EVP or is he just a talent when all this happens? He's also an EVP. He's still an EVP. On I'm on Cody's side then. <laughs> it's different. The, 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 the dynamic changes when you're not like, because because part of this is CM Punk is is fighting his bosses technically also. That's a layer of this that people aren't considering enough. I mean, Tony's still his boss if Cody's an EVP. Yeah, but Tony, but he's not fighting. The, the Tony, like the trash talking the company next to Tony thing is a bad look for Tony no matter who does it. But the CM Punk fight, like physically getting in a fight with his boss, like fist fight with his bosses. One, Cody, it's a little bit different if like, He's an EVP. They're also EVPs. They're on the same playing field, and they're it, it is a little bit different of an dynamic. Like CM Punk isn't an EVP in the company. He's technically fist fighting his bosses over this. So that, I do think it's a little bit different. But also, Cody doesn't have a twenty year track record of not getting along with people and having falling outs in companies either. You know, this would be like an isolated like this is the first time this has happened type thing. There's probably a good reason for it. With CM Punk, it just feels like this is just another time he's doing this. Cody, he fought somebody over a jacket. He told that story. I never know with Cody if he's lying or not. He's I, admittedly likes to I, lie. I think so. he legitimately because even going back in high school, like not that he was a liar, but like he was really funny and he would take like little nothing like inside joke type things and make them way bigger than they needed to be. So, and I've heard he does that in wrestling too. I've heard like the Miz and Dolph Ziggler talk about how like Cody will take these like these like little stories that like didn't really even happen or like barely happened and he just has turned them into these like legendary tales that people just like you know people believe Cody because he's such a good storyteller but people hear the stories are like that's not at all what happened <laughs> what are you talking about um I, I but, feel uh, like he did this with the the infamous fuck on me uh <laughs> with the Sean story <laughs> Because like every single time I hear that story yeah. now, like he's got to add a new yeah. layer. Like the latest one yeah. was like, "Oh, I snorted protein powder before this match." Like, 
huh? When did you do this? You've told this story a million times, and now yeah. all of a sudden you snorted protein powder before this match? You just got to keep adding yeah. on to the lore of these stories. The myth just grows, which, you know, more power to him. As far as yeah. Punk goes, he's living on his dream of 97 Brett right now. He's going to get cheered <laughs> in Chicago. I think I think he's going to get cheered in Chicago. Everywhere else, yeah, it's probably going to be, based on last night, probably going to be a little bit of a mixed reaction. How does he handle that? How does the company handle that? I think they can kind of just let CM Punk be CM Punk. The biggest thing will be, is the elite stuff ever addressed? And I mean that behind the scenes, and I mean that on screen as well, because we don't know. We we know what Punk's side is kind of saying, and FTR is saying of like, oh, they should work it out. They should do business, blah, blah, blah. But the elite have been pretty quiet on all of this. And we've talked about this to death because there's been months and months and months of speculation when it comes to Punk. But that side's just been quiet. I don't know how they feel about it. They didn't address any of it on All Access. They don't talk about it really in any interviews. They've said it's one of the roughest portions of their life and everything. Kenny's been a little quiet on it. But the the Punk side, Punk and FTR have been talking about this plenty of like, I want to come back. I want to work and all this stuff. But like, has any of it been addressed behind the scenes? We know Punk has met with Jericho, but has he met with the people who he's actually kind of wronged in this? And if he hasn't backstage, well, that's probably one of the reasons why you're getting maybe a hard-ish brand split on this. And then if it hasn't been addressed backstage, does it eventually get addressed on television? Like because it's gonna be an overhang on the television because so many people are gonna want this now. So many people are gonna want do business, do business, do business, and if they don't do any business on television, I think it's a pretty good indicator that they haven't done any business behind the scenes because you ain't doing any business on TV if you have not addressed things behind the scenes unless you really want to play with some live rounds here of like, hey, we haven't really worked anything out behind the scenes. Go out there and do a feud. Go out there and you know they they got pretty uh, they don't they don't really have too many guidelines when it comes to promos and stuff. They get maybe bullet points that they need to hit, but for the most part, it's just go out there and say what you feel kind of thing. And even then, we've seen with CM Punk, like he's just gonna go out there. It doesn't matter who he's supposed to be feuding with. He's gonna address stuff that was brought up months ago. So if you have not addressed things behind the scenes and you're like, hey, go do business on screen that's when things could get extremely messy. So I don't think anything gets worked out on screen until things are worked out behind the scenes. And the fact that we haven't heard of anything being really worked out behind the scenes, I'm not, my expectations for on screen are not going to be a CM Punk elite feud right off the bat. Maybe down the line, maybe once Punk can come back, stay on a good course and not ruffle too many feathers, then maybe things will get addressed behind the scene. And maybe you can go and do that feud on screen until then. I think you're just going to see CM Punk. He's going to face Samoa Joe. It seems like that's the reported kind of first feud, first match for him. And then we'll, we'll go from there with whoever he's going to feud with on collision. <clears throat> yeah. Which I'm, I'm good with. I mean, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe would be great. I'm, I mean, is that going to, sorry, just one second. Is that going to be um, like in Ring of Honor? Are they going to do that? Or are they going to do that on AEW? I mean, no. I imagine they're going to use it on AEW, but that would be great. And like, that would be a great Ring of Honor pay-per-view match if they did Samoa Joe versus CM Punk. Imagine all the 
extra people that would watch Ring of Honor just like at least at one time they did that. But um, because I think Punk and Ring of Honor is a really, really cool idea. There's a lot of cool stuff they can do with him. But like, I guess can can answer your question or I guess speculate about that. I, I really I I don't know. I have no idea where he's at as far as like making up backstage with the elite and these guys and if there's any intention of doing that or if they're just gonna have them on separate shows like punk will mainly be on collision the elite will mainly be on dynamite and then like whenever maybe punk isn't available for collision the elite might pop up on that on dynamite there when i I don't know if they're just going to (laughs) completely avoid each other or what um you know i i don't know what the best solution is to all of this i really don't like a, a part of me and this is probably isn't good a part of me wishes they would just fight it out honestly like just have cm punk and and whoever he has problems with they can go fight they just have just go get it out of your system like like you do that old school like that's actually how they used to do it old school like you know just go just go fight it out get over it when it's done take each other off the ground hug it out like you don't have to be friends but like just get out of your system and let's just do business let's, let's be men from now on let's just get over this okay um the problem with that for someone like cm punk is i don't think that's going to go very well for him and I don't think that that's going to want to like play out publicly either. Like you don't want to lose it even more than Mystique of CM Punk finding out he got beat up, you know, backstage by like Matt Jackson or something like that. So, um, you know, and you don't want that to happen on screen either. You don't want him going to business for himself in front of an arena full of people. Cause that's going to be even worse. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if like fighting really is the best idea for him, but like part of me kind of just wishes that would happen. Cause it's just like, just, just everyone just get over yourselves and just get it out of your system and just, just move on. But being adults, you know, the best uh, the best solution, obviously, is like just talk it out and just just get past it and be mature and just just work with each other going forward. But I also understand if like the elite doesn't want any part of that. I don't know where their head's at. They, they founded this company and now they got to deal with this bullshit, you know, and it's like, you know, I don't know where their head's at. I don't know if Kenny Omega is in this position where he just like is only involved because like the bucks are involved. Like, does he, does he actually dislike Kenny Omega or is he just not like him because the bucks don't, you know what I mean? Like how much does, how much heat does hangman and, and punk actually have, you know, like, do they, do they want to fight each other? Do they want to get at each other? Or is it just, you know, how much of this is just hearsay? How much is he said, she said, how much is, you know, how much is what we heard backstage? How much of that is even accurate? All we really know is what CM Punk said at the press conference at the brawl at press conference, right next to Tony Khan. Outside of that, it's all just, the only the only thing is we've had we have heard a lot of like corroborated like similar stories about certain things that we can kind of put together what probably happened but we really don't know and I'll be honest and, and fair about that too you know like I don't I'm just going based on kind of how how I feel gut feeling about a lot of this stuff so and that's how everybody is and you just got to kind of pick and choose your sides at the end of the day I've said it before and I'll say it again I'm team AEW just in general or right? I'm team professional wrestling. In most cases, I'm team wrestler over promoter, like most of the time. But I love all elite wrestling. I think they're really, really important for what what we need as wrestling fans in the just in the wrestling world. We need a company like AEW to be successful for not just for the fans, but for the wrestlers also. And in it just you know at the end of the day, I just want AEW to do well. And if AEW is going to do well and they're going to do better because they have CM Punk involved, I'm for it. Like, I want him to be a part of it. It's going to help the company. I just don't want more of this stuff to keep happening. And I expect that it will, because why wouldn't it? So, like, let's see where it goes. But but 
I, I do think CM Punk versus Samoa Joe would be really, really good. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of history there. It'd be really cool to see in 2023 to watch that happen. And CM Punk and Samoa Joe love each other. Like, it's like, that that that's going to be great. They have respect for each other. They're longtime friends. They've wrestled each other a thousand times. Like, <clears throat> and it's been a long time since they wrestled each other. So, boom, that's great. If you want to do CM Punk versus Chris Jericho, great. You know, Chris Jericho, in my opinion, is the GOAT. You know, like, do, do Chris Jericho and losing CM Punk. a lot. He's kind of a dork right now. He's a loser. Great. He's been, but the, it, clearly Adam Cole is like the next guy for MJF, or at least going to be soon. So I understand why Adam Cole is getting the big push that he's getting. If he, if, if that involves him beating Jericho on the way up, I'm fine with that. But it doesn't take much to get Jericho right back in a spot that's good for a feud with CM Punk. You know, they, they can they can make that happen fast. But the, the my point is like there are things he can do that don't involve the elite. Um, but that's the most interest the most interest is, is definitely in that like if if they can figure things out and do cm punk versus kenny omega cm punk and ftr versus omega and the bucks uh, or even versus like the hung bucks if you want to do you know hangman in the bucks versus those three and stuff there's a lot of options there especially when you start mixing in uh, like abushi and, and other possibilities and stuff that get mixed in with this like there's there's a lot of really cool possibilities um so it's just, but it's a matter of who wants to work with who. And, you know, part of me thinks it's just not going to happen, or at least not soon, because I really feel, I think that a collision was going to happen regardless. Like, I think the Turner Networks, clearly they wanted more AEW and like, they're not going to just make a whole new show on this platform just to get CM Punk back. But I do think it was just kind of the perfect opportunity of like, Turner wants more shows. CM Punk and the elite don't get along. And not only that, like other people on the roster have probably chosen sides to a degree. Like I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers that don't like CM Punk. There's probably wrestlers that love CM Punk. They don't like the elite. There's people that are disgruntled like Miro and Thunder Rosa and so on and so forth that, you know, have been, been advertised or Andrade that have been advertised for collision that, you know, so it just kind of seems like this is just a good opportunity for AEW where it's like, you know, we have this, <clears throat> and it's also the product of having a gigantic roster. So like they're there's kind of in a position where it's like, all right, we have a lot of people we're not using. We have a lot of people that don't get along with other people. We have a lot of people that we don't really know what to do with, so on and so forth. Now we have an opportunity to kind of maybe do more with more people and somewhat split the shows by by doing this. And CM Punk can kind of be the face of this other show. Um, so you know, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Like I I you know, I expected CM Punk to be back. Like, I did think it was eventually going to happen, especially when they announced Collision, especially when they announced Chicago. I, I imagine he was coming back. Um, and, yeah, I know I know how else I could really say it. Other than I think that, I think that he's going to be good on screen. Um, I, 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 I'm very interested to see what happens, but I don't I, – I do think he needs to be a heel um, outside of Chicago. Even in Chicago – like, he can be a heel even in Chicago. Like, he can do heelish things. He's just going to keep getting cheered there. But – you know, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, what, I guess in a perfect scenario, Jeremy, what like what do you want to see? Like, I mean, let's just assume he, he does Samoa Joe first, which you know is kind of reported or out there. Do do you do you just do anything you can get with him? Like, if you were on work with Jericho, you just do that, or like, do you really push towards like you need to make the elite thing happen with him? I don't think you try to force the elite thing if it's not there. Honestly, like if if one side doesn't want to work with the other i think one side does want to work because they think it's good business and they were like well yeah real issues draw money type thing and they want to try to be you know look like the the savior the saint 
here of like, see, I can put my issues aside and it can be fine. But if one side doesn't want to do that, then mm. don't force that because they, you can still win your little public war of like, see, I was willing to work. They weren't willing to work. You mentioned like put them in a room, let them fight, whatever. It reminds me of the scene from The Shield where they, they put the two guys. Have you seen The Shield? Mm-hmm. Great show. Uh, Michael Chiklis. I heard um, it's great. I heard it's great. Yeah, yeah. So they put their two guys got these issues. They have a shipping container and they just put them in this shipping container and they're mm-hmm. like, settle your issues, work out your differences. And they just expect mm-hmm. them to come to some type of compromise and, you know, maybe they throw punches or whatever and things are fine. One guy kills the other guy. And then the mm-hmm. other guy just walks out and they're just like stunned of like, wait a second, why is this guy dead now? Like you guys couldn't just work this out. Like, no, they couldn't. Cause sometimes if you have real issues like this and it goes to this point, it goes beyond just hey, let's sit down and talk and deal with it. And I, I'm not saying that's going to happen here, sure. but sometimes sure. just issues can't be worked out. That's basically my point is issues sometimes just can't be worked out between two sides. So anytime I think of like, Hey, just set up or, you know, I'm told or somebody brings up, Hey, just sit down, talk it out type of thing. I always think of that scene of like, yeah, sit down, talk it out, go in the shipping container and talk it out. It's like, well, now one guy's dead because you couldn't talk it out. And like some, some issues just can't be worked out, man. And maybe the elite don't want to work out these issues. As far as like punk goes on screen, I'm excited for him to return. I don't have sides on any of this i got no attachment to the elite i got no attachment to cm punk do i like some of these guys as performers do i like what they do in the ring on screen yes i do like i'm a fan of all these guys in in some form or another but i don't have any hardcore attachment to any of them what i like is good wrestling and good on-screen entertainment and i think cm punk brings that and he brings that in a variety of ways one i think is matches are are good that you know people are mentioning mentioned like the hangman match punk matches were, were kind of sloppy before mm-hmm. the injury some of the stuff yeah but i, I think the mjf match was really good yeah. i think the eddie kingston match was, was yeah. fantastic um yeah. and the I stories think can, were really good going into those yes. matches like that was what was more important at the end of the day but you do have to deliver in the ring ultimately i i under i, I Hey guys, have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I saw a video he made and I was shocked. He is in his 80s, still kicking butt, working out, staying active. He looks like he's got more energy, can work out longer, even has plenty of that energy left over for his grandkids, and he did this by making one change. He said that he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife even started doing this thing too. She's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger, her body looks leaner, has energy all day, And Chuck's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their health. Staying active is important. Moving around keeps you feeling good. Making sure that you take care of your gut health, your digestion, just overall, is also very important. Right now, you can go to mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Watch Chuck's video right now. That's mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Check out what Chuck Norris has to say. What's got him feeling so good these days? He explains everything, and you won't believe how simple it is. 
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I, I'm with those comments. I get that. But he, he did have some really, really damn good matches. Too. And this, this is why, this is another reason why I think like a feud with a Samoa Joe, with a Chris Jericho works because the elite work a certain style. And I don't think CM Punk, even in his like prime days, was hanging too much with that style. He's just not the most athletic guy in the world. He's not. And the elite guys are super athletes. Like they, all the stuff that they do, they can work circles around him in, in working that kind of style. CM Punk's got his style. It's great. A lot of fans enjoy it. I enjoy it. The elite just have a different style. And if they want to try to work that style with him, it's very possible that Punk just looks more than a step behind in those matches. And you know, that wouldn't come off looking great for really anybody, but certainly for Punk if they, they decide to work that style. And look, the elite can slow things down. We've seen it with, with FTR. They have great matches with FTR. FTR is not the most athletic guy, even though Cash could be like 450. Uh, like they're not the most athletic guys in the world. And they like to work largely the CM Punk technical ground style out there. And the Bucks will work to that level. Like they can do that. And then they'll pick it up when they need to pick it up. But if the Bucks want to go out there and show him up, or anything like that. And it's like, you know what? You want, This is what you want. We're going to work this high-paced, high-octane style. And let's see if you can keep up with that. They can make them look a little bad. Like the Hangman Page match. Hangman is a very good athlete. And, you know, Punk tried to kind of do that thing of like, hey, let me pull off this buck shot. Failed twice on it. Didn't look good for him there. And Hangman said after the match, like, yeah, well, it makes me feel good that, like, it ain't the easiest move in the world to do, though, is it? So if they want to work that style, they can do that and make Punk look a little foolish. I, I don't think that I don't think we're gonna get those matches anytime soon. I really don't. I don't know what we're gonna get out of Punk. I feel like the world title stuff should be addressed. Will it be addressed? I don't know. Um, you know, is MJF gonna be part of Collision? I imagine he would be. Is that the next feud? Is Adam Cole the next feud? Is MJF gonna split his time between Dynamite and Collision? Not sure. I feel like the world title stuff should be addressed, though. I'm just not sure if it will be. And I'm excited for Punk's back because I think he's a very good on-screen performer, on the mic, in the ring. And I think he brings an element of, like, just a chaos. Just you don't know what you're going to get when CM Punk is out there on the microphone. And in, in pro wrestling, where so much of it is is manufactured and all the little details are, like, just put in place... And it's just very produced and sometimes overproduced. I like the people that come in and can bring a little bit of that chaos. And there aren't too many people out there that, that do it. Punk is certainly one of them. I think Cody during AEW was was very much like that. He You just never quite knew what you were going to get with Cody, whether good or bad. Eddie Kingston, certainly another guy. Moxley to a little bit of an extent, but a little less now because I feel like Moxley cuts quite as many promos. Um, WWE, you don't see it really at all because that is so, so produced. Uh, but but yeah, I like the chaos element. And CM Punk certainly brings that chaos element. 
Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm we interested. Got, to... got... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. I was gonna say we got we got some uh, super chats here. Caden uh, <clears throat> is is saying dress your enemies. Big. I didn't pull up the graphic. You know, I let no. the graphic go. I was gonna let. I was just gonna let you go here, Jensen. Uh, yeah. Shai... Thanks, Caden. <laughs> Shy Town Square says, Steven, I'm going to the opener. I'll boo him for you. The crowd makes me feel like people aren't going to be with him. He's going to need to be a heel. In Chicago, they're going to be with him. They're going to be with him in Chicago. Everywhere else, yeah, they'll probably get a mixed reaction that might lean more towards booze. And again, this is what Brett did in 97. You don't think punks watch that Brett 97 run? That's probably all he's done instead of watching Rocky. He just watched Brett in 97 the entire time he's been off. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine with this. <clears throat> uh, and Anime Otaku says, I want C- CMFTR, the elite versus the acclaim just from Max Caster's rap. Redacted, redacted. Mm-hmm. That's all TK will let me say about how some of y'all acted. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm <clears throat> I'm inter- I'm really interested in the first promo that, that Punk cuts in front of a live audience. I'm really interested to see what he says. Um, will he uh, will he do the quote-unquote right thing and like just like do whatever business they're expecting or will he go in there and just bury people, you know, on a live microphone, who knows? I, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens at the very least, you know, it's chaos. I don't know if it's a good kind of chaos. It definitely brings attention to AEW. I don't know if it brings the right attention. Once again, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of un, unanswered questions about all this, but um, I mean, I'll definitely be watching collision. Uh, I'm in Chicago. I'm, you know, I, what makes the most sense probably like they do have to re- revisit him and MJF. I feel like based on how, when he, when MJF returned and everything, but like, there's probably a lot of, I've talked about this before the idea of this, but if you go full heel with CM Punk, if you teamed MJF and CM Punk together, like you don't have to be a tag team, but like part of like the same kind of like group, the two of them, maybe even with FTR, like you do like the four of them as like a kind of a full horseman type thing. I wouldn't call them that, but you know, you know, that's, that's kind of a, that's interesting to me. If you can figure out a way where like you team MJF and CM Punk is like, just like ultimate, just this ultimate heel group. And that keeps CM Punk from having a challenge for the title because, like, MJF... Because you have to avoid also CM Punk being a challenge for the title, I think. Because you you can't rely on not just the backstage stuff or whatever, like, just the injuries alone. Like, I I don't think you can... Never lost it. He's the linear champion. The lineal champion. The lineal, yeah. But but like you said last week, never defended the title either time. So, like, I I don't think you should put the title back on him just because... And this is all bias aside, honestly. This is just, like purely injury prone reasons. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the world title on him and get yourself in this kind of position again. So I would do things that are really big on the show with him that don't involve him having to be involved with the world title. And if you're aligned with the world champion, MJF, similar to in, in UFC, you see this happen all the time where guys are in the same training camps and the number one contender should be getting a title shot, but like he doesn't want to fight the champion because he trains with the champion every day. He doesn't want a title shot until maybe they lose the title or they're just content with just their, their, their buddy being the champion. They'll just be the number one contender. Or they'll change weight classes. So maybe something like that with punk and MJF where punk's like, I've been the champion twice. Max got the title. We're taking over. Like I'm going to take out all my enemies and Max and keep defending the title. FTR's got our back. And you know, that that's what they do. Um, you know, I think something like that could be maybe interesting too. Like, cause once again, like as, if they book Punk the right way and he doesn't cause more problems with the with the roster, this could this could be really good. 
I'm I'm staying honestly really optimistic about it from like a fan perspective of what I'm hoping to see on the show. Um, so let, let me know. Do y'all think that's a good idea? What do you think, Jeremy? Like, would you would you do you like the idea of maybe like if like a heel CM Punk and a heel MJF like com- like two man power trip almost like combining forces? I do. If the payoff is an elite match, because I think that's the the payoff that makes the most sense is you, you have these two guys one who is threatening to leave the company at the end of the year to go to WWE, who's the world champion. The other guy who came in, imploded, nearly imploded. I'm going to say he was going to break down the entire company, but, you know, put a mark on the company with everything he did. And then you have the elite who literally founded this company, whose name is literally in the, the name of the company. Them coming out and being like the conquering of like, you guys, since the start, since you've been here, you haven't you haven't want to help the AW. You're just here to help yourselves. Like we're not going to stand for that type of things. If that's the payoff, if it is an elite versus those two, I'm for it. If it's just them being, you know, heels and running roughshod over over everything, and then maybe they turn on each other because the jealousy and stuff. Like there's a story there between Punk and MJF. There's a lot of story, but. I don't want them like aligning like that right off the bat, unless the, again, the payoff is against them versus the elite. Cause I think that's the ultimate payoff on sure. this. If it's just, Oh, these two assholes are just going to backstab each other. All right, fine. But they can just do the yeah. feud. If that's, if that's the thing, like MJF has no reason to trust punk after everything that happened. Punk has no reason to trust MJF. The story needs to be a, hey, we're bigger and better than AEW which I don't even know if that's a great story, but at least there's a a uh, reasonable payoff to all of that. And like, you can create something out of that. Punk, again, I think you've got to address the title situation. I think yeah. you got to address the title situation. And maybe it doesn't happen immediately. Maybe it is just like Samoa Joe and just he comes out and just like, don't worry about that AEW title. Like what you <laughs> need to worry about is like not getting smacked in the face by me right now. Like, Maybe that's how you address it. Like, do they do they even bring up any of this stuff with Punk right off the bat? Even if even, even if it's Joe, even if it's Samoa Joe, who I believe is a heel, even if Samoa Joe just comes out and is just like, you know, you came here, you talked about all this, and then what happened? You did all of this, like, and about that around here, like, what happened to you? Type of thing. Like, what happened to your mission statement when you came here? Do they address any of this? I, I don't know. I really don't know. We'll, we'll find out soon. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know how much of this they're going to want out there. I mean, it'd be weird for CM Punk not to address the championship, though, to some degree. Like, the last time we saw him on screen, he was the world champion. Um, Samoa Joe still has the TV title, right? The ROH TV title? ROH, yeah. Um. And I don't yeah. like them blending the ROH stuff on AEW right. television either. Like that's that's frustrating to me. And I get like a lot of the ROH, basically all the ROH champions are AEW, like signed talent who are in AEW every week. But like the stories don't interact on AEW, but then we're supposed to be like, oh, well, ROH is, I don't like any of that. Just keep the two brands like more or less separate, honestly. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, AJ Styles... Didn't couldn't keep separate, uh, you know, one week into the brand split or whatever. We'll talk about that in a second. Cody is being advertised for uh, SmackDown this week. 
Mm-hmm. I believe it. We'll get into that. In I a think second. it's a dark. I I legitimately think it's a dark match though. People are going freaking out over. Oh, Cody's going on SmackDown. The brand splits dead and stuff. I legitimately think he's just working a dark match. And let's Cody. He he sells. He draws <laughs> people. So put For him sure. in a dark match. Sure. Well, and <clears throat> you know the last thing I'll say about um because like Don F said uh, that sounds terrible. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean it might not be the best idea that I've got about like Punk and, and MJF together. It might. <clears throat> dude, I'm just kind of like throwing ideas out there, but. Part of it also is both of us grew up and saw that that very small pocket of time. I brought this up before on the show, but when Austin and Triple H had that two-man power trip, and it's always bothered me that that story never played out. Like how there was the injury and like we just yeah. never I've always wanted to see that like I that concept actually played out. Like that's why I brought up the idea of maybe doing like Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns together at some point or something, like under Paul Heyman. Like it is I love the I just there's, and that's just me personally. There's something, there's like an itch that needs to be scratched. The story that I thought was so, it had so much potential of Austin and Triple H, two-man power trip. We never saw it play out. So I've always had it in the back of my mind, like, let's get two mega heels and put them together and actually see what a story like that looks like. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm i just throwing ideas out there. But do you have any other thoughts on CM Punk or AEW? Do you want to move on to the WWE talk? I mean, there's a lot from AEW, double or nothing. Like, do you oh, have, sure. um, you know, what, what were your overall thoughts on on double or nothing? Um, I thought overall the show, it wasn't like the best AEW pay-per-view overall, but I still thought it was well worth the money and like well worth watching. Um, <clears throat> I said this online and I don't, I don't mean this to be like gospel. Like you don't have to take this like super literally or even listen at all. But, you know, I, I, I tweeted something like, <clears throat> that uh you know if, if you consider yourself a fan of professional wrestling i think that uh aw pay-per-views are mandatory viewing like and what i mean by that it doesn't mean like you have to watch AEW. if you don't watch AEW, screw you or you can yeah, if you like wwe you're not cool because you don't like it i'm not saying any of that what i'm saying though is like i think if you if you go around or you know you, you consider yourself a fan of professional wrestling i think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not watching the aw pay-per-views I'm not saying you have to sit there and watch Dynamite and Rampage and all this other stuff every week. Um, just like I don't think you need to watch Raw and SmackDown every week, if you even if you're a WWE fan. I think you you know for me, I, I watch the premium live events once a month, and I I thoroughly enjoy the WWE PLEs. I, it's probably because I'm not super um, burned out by by the company and the show and seeing the same thing over and over because I'm not watching Raw and SmackDown really hardly at all unless I know Cody's on the screen. <clears throat> so like. It's, it's one of those things where, like, I think that, especially because AEW doesn't do a whole lot of pay-per-views a year, I, and, and I also get, listen, I get that they're, like, 50 bucks, and not everyone can afford them, and I understand that, so I'm not saying, if you straight up can't afford it, I get that, and I was in I was in your position when I was growing up, too, trust me, my, my family didn't even have the ability to order pay-per-view, I used to have to, like, sit there and watch those scrambled screens and just, like, listen to, listen to the commentators and just hope like the screen people that are watching this are probably too young to even know what I'm talking about. But like, you used (laughs) to be able to pick up, you used to be able to pick up like the pay-per-view channels, but like, it'd be like a scrambled like satellite feed. So it'd be like this, like it'd be either like a green, like it was like lime green screen that was just like mashed all around, or it'd be like a bunch of what we called the ants. Would you look like a bunch of black and white (laughs) ants just popping up on the screen all over the place. And you'd eventually, occasionally you'd see like something. Um, not just for wrestling. Sometimes you try to find other things and you see a little something and you'd be like, 
Um, so anyway, what other things um, are you watching here, Jensen? Keep in mind, I was like 13 when I was doing these things. So, um, <laughs> so that said, um, listen, I, so much of my wrestling memories growing up is like listening to Jim Ross explaining things happening on pay-per-view because I couldn't see it. I was just like listening to the commentary, like, oh, I'm like picturing what's happening. Um, but every now and then the screen would kind of fix itself and he'd be like, rock bottom. I saw rock bottom, you know? Um, but, uh, <laughs> But so that so it's come a long way from there. But like I, but that's the the lengths that I used to have to go to. So I understand there's people that have hit me up and been like, "Yo, like I want to watch the pay per view, but I can't. I don't have fifty bucks." I'm like, I feel I feel that. I do feel that. Um, especially in a in a in a world now where like you pay you know five bucks a month for Peacock or whatever, and you get everything. So I get that. Um, now that said, if you can afford the show or you have ways <clears throat> ways of watching the show, I do think that. Um, I do honestly think that AW pay-per-views, like you should watch them if you're a wrestling fan, just like I think you should watch WWE PLEs if you consider yourself a wrestling fan. Um, just like I think you should watch other certain stuff, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I even think like wrestling fans should watch Joey Jealous Spring Break, like just get, get different perspectives on what's going on in the world of wrestling, find big shows that, that you can sink your teeth into, find some new stuff. That all said, <clears throat> I thought. I'm really happy for Chris Satlander. I love Jade Cargill. Jade's my girl. I talk about her all the time. She's local to me in Atlanta. I love Jade. But the timing was right. I think Statlander was going to be the girl to beat her regardless. Like, it was going to happen. It was going to be her. And it probably would have already happened had she not been injured. But I do like the – this. Jade got the 60-0. and 0, And the way that, uh, that Statlander beat her is, like, you know, she had a really good match with Ty, in my opinion. That was probably Jade's best match. And then – Right after that, it's like, you know, she kind of, it wasn't like she just came out and just like straight up lost to Chris Statlander. Like she just had a good match with Taya, got caught off guard, Statlander, right place, right time, and the right person, by the way, to be the next TBS champion. Like that's, so that's first, first thing I wanted to say is very happy for Chris Statlander. She's somebody who years ago, back on the indie scene, especially when she was starting to really blow up to like beyond wrestling. I was saying back then, because she also, she won the, the IWTV championship briefly as well. Yeah, from Orange Cassidy, as a matter of fact. And I remember um, around then, I was like, dude, she's going to be, like, she'll be like the women's champion on, on mainstream television soon. Like, she's so good. She's got the right look, the right build. Like, she's like, she's great in the ring. Like, she's, she's going to be big. And I've been waiting for this to happen for an AEW because of the injuries. And it's like, now, if she's good to go, Chris Outlander's money. Like she's, she's going to be fantastic with that title. And when she's done with that, she'll be fantastic as the eventual AW women's world champion. Like she's, I got a ton of love for both Jade Cargill and, um, and Chris Outlander <clears throat> for Jade. It's going to be interesting because it's make or break now. Cause she's going to be elevated to working with the, the main, the main, uh, the world title women scene, I think next. And it's going to be interesting to see how she does. I think she's going to be fine. I have faith in Jade. I, I think she's going to, she's, she's risen to the occasions up to this point, but it's going to be a new, it's going to be a new world for her. And it's going to be interesting to see how she does in a league with, you know, Britt Baker, Tony Storm, um, uh, Hikaru Shida, like these kind of wrestlers. I think it's going to be, it, it, it's going to be different. It's going to be adjustment, but I'm, I'm going to try to see how it goes. Um, now that said, outside of that, there were some misses. I think Orange Cassidy did great. I, I like the battle Royal a lot. Um, I'll throw that out there. I thought that was really, really well done, especially with the way Cassidy won. I love that he just like 
hit the arm off the off the rope at the end. They've so Kicked orange, his hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so Orange Cassidy. I, it's Orange Cassidy rules, just like Statlander. Same kind of thing. I was like, man, if this guy ever got on television, I don't know if he'd get over or not with this gimmick. But like, he's fantastic, and look where he's at now. He just probably the best title run, maybe one of the best title runs in AW history. Honestly, him with his international title. If you look at on just on paper, the 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 title offenses and stuff, he's killing it. Um. A couple other things I definitely want to uh, uh, spotlight here. Pillars four way, incredible. One of my one of my favorite matches in AEW history. If you if you can bring bring into consideration what those four guys mean to this company and how they have stuck with them since literally day one. And the build wasn't the best. We talked about that on the show, but that match completely delivered. And there were parts in that match too where I was like, dude, strap up Sammy Guevara. Like, strap him up. Like, he's killing it out there. Like, even guys that I didn't think Sammy had any chance in the world of winning the title. I didn't think he was going to. But even, like, during the match, it was so good that I was like, dude, Sammy could win this title right now, and I'd be fine with it. Like, Jungle Boy can win right now, I'd be fine with it. Darby can win right now, I'd be fine with it. But, you know, I think they did a really, really, really damn good job. And then the finish of the match, headlock takeover by MJF beats Darby Allen again. So, you know, eventually, it makes me lean even more towards eventually – Darby might be the one to beat MJF for the title and he'll do it with the headlock takeover. They've, 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 they've leaned too much into that story. Darby's eventually going to beat him with the headlock takeover. Um, so I love all that. And then anarchy in the arena, absolutely ruled, absolutely ruled. So there's like the main event and the co-main, the two last matches, I think right there alone. Cause I saw people, dude, I saw everything from like this pay-per-view ruled to like this pay-per-view totally sucked. And you can't tell if this was this wasn't the best AEW pay-per-view of all time, I'll admit that. This might have even been the worst overall pay-per-view AEW done, it's potentially. But you can't tell me this pay-per-view sucked when you had those two last matches. It's impossible that the pay-per-view overall was, was a sucky pay-per-view when you have those two matches on it. Two matches that people are calling potential match of the year contenders. You can't tell me the show sucked. There might there was a few things on the show that weren't great. And this might have overall, once again, maybe been the worst AEW pay-per-view they've done, maybe overall but it was not a bad pay-per-view if, if especially with those two matches. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I, I thought I'm, I'll, I'll keep it real. Like there, there were some misses on the show that I didn't think, you know, hit like they were expecting to, but when you got the last two matches that we got, plus some of the other stuff that I talked about, that's still, in my opinion, totally worth the 50 bucks I spent for the pay-per-view. I thought that, yeah, the last two matches really saved it because battle Royal was good. Um, and then everything after that crowd wasn't super into it, which didn't help. That's and, true. Like the matches themselves just, you know, they, the, the matches, like the build for some of this wasn't that great. So I don't even blame the crowd for not being into like some of these matches and everything. The energy was off. Just stuff was, stuff was off until Chris Statlander came back and then the energy picked up and then we had the four way, which was very good. And then Anarchy in the arena, which was very good. So uh, the last two matches definitely saved things. Honestly, if you want to say the pay-per-view sucked, I think that's a little hyperbolic. Uh, I don't think it, it sucked, but if 90 minutes of a four-hour pay-per-view was the good portions of it, I can see why people were a little down on it. I can honestly see it. Like, get 90 minutes out of four hours. I'm terrible at math. I don't know, 120 times two, whatever that comes out to be. But basically, a quarter of this pay-per-view was good less than yeah mm. about just over a quarter i guess um a quarter of the pay-per-view was good and that's not that's not good enough 
for some people. And I get that, but <laughs> overall I do think it was, it was a fine pay-per-view. It was not their best. Um, yeah, it may have been their worst. And for $50, you know, if it may have, for some people, it may have only been worth $20. And if that's the case, then I'd be upset a little bit too. I thought it was a good yeah. pay-per-view. I thought it was and, you know, that, that is what it is. Those are fair points. <clears throat> the, uh, the point about the crowd, I think definitely needed to be made. Like it had the, had the crowd been who we had last night on dynamite, that was a totally different vibe, especially when like Don Callis came out and stuff like that crowd got really loud. Um, during the pay-per-view though, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I, uh, what I will say is this though, if we were talking about any company outside of AEW, the same exact way i think people would be praising it like the show ruled like because i think people are just so used to AEW pay-per-view the standard is that every match is going to be a banger like all the way across the card and that's just what we're ex- expecting and used to is like we, we're not expecting any misses on AEW pay-per-view and when there are a few misses people get really down on it because they're like i paid 50 bucks thinking it was going to be banger after banger after banger and that's not what i'm getting but I think really any other show, how many, how many, I don't want to like single out companies. So I want to say how many wrestling pay-per-views or whatever have you watched before where the first half of the show was like hardly anything really felt like it was going on. But then like the last few matches were, were classics and people talk about those pay-per-views. Like they were some of the best pay-per-views ever. I mean, like that's, that's, that that is what it is. Like not every pay-per-view is going to have banger, 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 banger all the way through and everything's going to completely hit. The, the 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 crazy thing is for AEW that pretty much has been the case for their pay-per-views up to this point. Um, but I don't really have a listen, I'll, in a perfect world, I wish the whole the whole double or nothing show was incredible from top to bottom, obviously. That would have been that would have been better. But I honestly think like I think people got their money's worth. Or at least I did. I can't speak for everybody else, but I, I feel like I definitely got my money's worth, even for just those last two matches. But um I get what you're saying. Like if it was like 90 minutes out of a four hour show or whatever. Um, you might feel like you kind of, kind of didn't get your money's worth. I, I can see that, but I'd, 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 um, I would challenge people to go watch some of your favorite pay-per-views, like non-AEW, non-AEW pay-per-views, go, go watch some of those and tell me what percentage of it like really was, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure if you look mm-hmm. and you send me some of your favorite pay-per-views, there's a big chunk of it. Like that's okay. But then like, it really picked up by like the, the matches that mattered, you know? It's it's different times. It's different expectations. I mean, you're talking back then. Some of those pay per views were thirty dollars, maybe forty dollars, mm-hmm. and now the the wrestling quality w- was different as well. The expectations were different. Like you said, sure. you kind of expect banger, banger, banger from AEW. That's what the people just expect from these shows nowadays, and it didn't fully deliver. On the style for for film mentioned SummerSlam 2013, the main event Cena Bryan Lesnar Punk is what everyone remembers. You might remember the rest of the show, of course not, which is true. And again, it, one, it's different expectations. Two, I think, and this is to Jensen's point, is like sometimes you just need the the ending. You just need to stick the ending, right? Because sometimes you can have a great pay per view all the way through, and this was the case with some WCW pay per views. Like, oh, great, great matches all the way through. You get to the main event. The main event sucks, and or it's like, cuts well, off the yeah it's like, well, this pay-per-view, yeah it's like well this pay-per-view wasn't any good and it's like yeah. well the rest of the show was good it's just they didn't stick the landing aw stuck the landing it's like okay well the rest of the show wasn't great but you know what i really only cared about these two matches and they were great so i love this pay-per-view overall 
it's all it's all personal preference. I'm not here to tell anybody, hey, this pay-per-view sucked. How did you not enjoy it? Or, you know, this pay-per-view, I guess I flipped that, but this pay-per-view was great. How did you not enjoy it? This pay-per-view sucked. How did you enjoy it? Uh, type of thing. Like, I'm not here to tell anybody that. If you feel you got your money's worth, great. If you feel you didn't get your money's worth, I can kind of understand it. Honestly, I can understand it. Um, Shadow Spurs says, personally, I thought one match was bad and it was so bad that it took three or four matches to win the crowd back. I'm assuming you're talking about Cole and Jericho, which, yeah, I I wasn't a fan of that match. I didn't think it was booked well. I thought it was hampered by two things. One, Roddy and Jericho had more intensity and they did more to like make that feel like, oh, these two guys really don't like each other and they're out to kill each other. Where this one just felt like, hey, we don't like each other, but we just got to keep it right here. And I think that part of that is because of anarchy in the arena. It's like, well, they're going to do a bunch of crazy stuff in anarchy in the arena. We can't do a bunch of crazy stuff here. Um, And and that, you know, kind of hampered things. We had Sabu, who was the special enforcer, who was clearly on Adam Cole's side. So I don't think that helped anything. I think the reason why some of these matches maybe didn't hit was also the build. Like, I don't want to ignore the build of this. I don't think the build was great for a lot of this, including Jericho, and Cole. I don't need Jericho losing all of these matches in the lead up. I I like Adam Cole. Sometimes I feel his intensity is a little off as a baby face. I, I just don't always believe him when he's trying to fire up as a baby face like this. And I think Adam Cole is great. I think he is kind of, especially in this role coming back from the injury. I think he's a natural baby face. I don't know if he is the heated, get your blood boiling type of baby face though and that's okay not everyone can fully play that character and jericho can sometimes just be a little bit too smarmy with things and that doesn't help uh with that he can lean too much into sort of comedy reactions and i don't think this was the feud for like comedy reaction type of thing the elite as we saw in the anarchy in the arena match and you want to go all the way back to like stadium stampede the elite you can even if it's a blood feud you can kind of wink nod kind of stuff there and get away with it jericho trying to do that with this when you're beating his girlfriend with a kendo stick you have someone beating his girlfriend with a kendo stick and everything and you're doing the black eye photo and stuff i don't need the wink and nod kind of comedy stuff on that so i don't think the build to that was as good as it could have been and i really enjoyed the segment where they beat down brit i didn't i thought the follow-up to that was just a little the, the dynamic was off the energy was off. The follow-up wasn't what it should have been on that. The rest of the show, like the FTR, Jericho lethal stuff was like fine. The buildup, mm-hmm. I like Mark Briscoe, but it wasn't totally for me. House of Black, I love the acclaimed. They've cooled off still in, in mm-hmm. since losing the titles. House of Black, it, I've always said it, just not my cup of tea. It's just not. Sure. And... So they wouldn't I, even need to make that a, a, a open challenge either. They could have just like a, just a, like right. advertised it was going to be the acclaimed. Right. They like you knew it was going to be what it was going right. to be. That it just they decided. Oh yeah, open challenge. Hater and and Tony Storm. Not their fault that Hater right. got injured in that way. They had to mask that. How they had to mask that. Sure is what it is on that. Wardlow and Christian. Like the latter match was fine, but. The again, the build is just like, why is Christian getting the side shot? Oh, it's a ladder match because Christian likes to do ladder matches. Okay, like to, there was that. To be, so to be fair, Wardlow looked good in that though. Like he need, he needed a, a win like that. I think yeah. I thought he I thought he came out looking good in that one. To be fair, 
let's quickly talk about because we still got to talk uh, a little Cody Rhodes here. Um, quickly talk about Takeshka sure. and him fully aligning with Don Callis. Maybe not quite fully uh, Blackpool Combat Club, but definitely he's on the side of Don Callis. Don Callis got tremendous heat last night as he talked about. I love Takeshka. Like, come on, bring on the booze, get it in there, let's go. Um, and then you know Don Callis, biggest heel in AEW right now. And I'm very much looking forward to Takeshka as this heel with Callus as his mouthpiece. Kenny's in Japan. He teased having friends come in. We'll see what that leads to. Uh, what are your thoughts on Takeshka? And then kind of overall anarchy in the arena. Um, well, so first of all, anarchy in re- on the arena, I thought was fantastic. I loved it. Um, it's funny because we were actually just talking about the uh, that thumbtack to the feet spot with uh, Kevin Kugis the other day because I've seen Dominic Garini and Joey Janela both do that. Um, so to see that happen again was kind of perfect timing because we just talked about it the other day. Um, I thought I thought that was all. And also, massive shout out to Wheeler Yuta for getting the pin on Kenny Omega and that thing. I, I love that Wheeler is the one who got the pin. Like, that's that's huge for him. Um, now, as far as Takeshita, we both called this. You know, I, I was saying heading into the match that I, I expected Takeshita to turn. The only difference being that I expected him to just full on, you know, align with the Blackpool Combat Club. They're still playing this kind of like, well, he or won't he? Like, is he's like, he's like, he's like BCC adjacent. Like, he's not in the group, but like, clearly he's working along with them, or at least Don Callis is, 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 is making Takeshita help them for the time being or whatever. However, they're trying to position it. He's not in the group, but like, I expect him to join the group officially at some point soon. And that's going to lead to, to Abushi coming in. It's pretty clear. And I, I, I love that. And last night it was alluded to where Hangman said, you know, people thought Kenny was in Canada and he's like, Kenny's not in Canada and pretty obvious he's in Japan would be the story. So he's in Thailand, Thailand. Yeah. I want to trade some Muay Thai, baby. Kenny Omega yeah. working on the knees and kicks and everything. There you go. There yeah. you go. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I think that that's it's pretty cool that that's heading that direction. And I I love the Takeshi heel turn. the The only thing that is a little strange about the Takeshi thing, and I'm just gonna point this out. This is a nitpick, and I love where the story's at right now. So I'm not saying like like I I, I like where we're at and keep doing this. The only thing to me that's strange about the Takeshita thing, and this is from a fan perspective, and this would be like if I was just kind of a wrestling fan and I just took everything at face value on what I saw on the show, I'd be a little confused as to why you'd be picking Takeshita over Omega. Because we've seen Takeshita lose like a bunch on television. You know what I mean? It yeah. is, you know what I mean? I mean it's one Callis, of those things where... Yeah, sorry, guys. Callis did sort of explain this a little bit. Um, and it was in the Busted Open interview, which I realized hmm. not everybody's going to listen to. Which I missed, he said a way, little bit. I, I don't know what he said. So if you want to fill me oh, in. He said, he said a little bit last night, but the crowd, I understand, was very hot on this. So basically what he was saying is Kenny continues to just listen to the Bucks and wants to do stuff that the Bucks want to do. Like he right. thinks Kenny should just basically be this single star. And, you know, he's not doing that. He wants to do his trios match and his gimmick matches with the Bucks. When it comes to Takeshka, he, he t- talks about the potential of Takeshka and says like, yeah, he's losing matches because he's just making bad decisions. He needs someone who just has that guidance there. And right, right now he doesn't have any of that guidance. He's, he talked about, um, you know, he goes out there, PWG wrestles six matches in two days. And then he wrestles Brian Danielson 
on like 18 hours notice. Like that's a dumb decision. Of course he lost that match. Like he needs someone who is going to help him make good decisions. True. Right. That's and that. That's a, that's a, that's actually the perfect explanation right there. That actually makes complete sense. I, I, I know that I, I was, I could hear in the promo last night, him talking more about like, um, like Kenny siding with the bucks and that kind of stuff. But yeah. like when you, when you factor in the, <clears throat> I obviously it was based on potential. I understood that, but like the, the making the bad decisions and callous being the guy, the, the kind of the hand now to guide him uh, to making the good decisions. And now he's going to be a winner. Like I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so yeah, good, good stuff. And and like I said, we expected Takeshi to turn and he did. And I thought it was sometimes in wrestling, the most obvious thing is just what you should do. Like just do the stories that make sense. And there you go. Yeah, I, I agree. Like we knew Takeshi was going to have to pick a side. Um, it was just a matter of which side was he going to pick. And he picked, he went with Callus. And I think that is a good thing for him. I think him, and it probably shows like they probably got a Bushi coming in. Because sure. I don't know what else you're teasing here if you don't have Kota Ibushi coming in. And I think Takeshka, he's going to be great as a heel. He's especially going to be great with Don Callis basically being his mouthpiece. And all he's got to do is just say a few things and tell the crowd to screw off. And he's going to get tremendous heat for that. So what? I thought it I thought it was a good turn. I thought it was a good segment last night, too. For sure. Well, I watched Kenny come back with, like, Yoshitatsu. And everyone's like, <laughs> wait, what? We were expecting Ibushi. Yoshitatsu. <laughs> Yoshitatsu might be oh, that's uh yeah no Yodasuji is sorry I was getting oh, no, I was thinking of Yoda, yeah yeah Yoshitatsu Yoda was the guy in WWE forever ago right right yeah. I'm thinking Yoshihashi and then oh, there's yeah. Yodasuji oh, and yeah right. Yoshitatsu like they're just all blending <laughs> together for me right now <laughs> all those names no nah, he needs to bring back Yano baby bring in oh, Yano no. Yano's got a win over Moxley I'm not a Yano guy people hate oh that. how guy. dare you how dare you? Let's move quickly to uh, yes. Cody. I need to finish the story. In the WWE, the story never finishes. Then mm-hmm. Cody's being a giant loser, like he lost that afternoon of champions, and now he's calling out Brock and saying, "Come to this show and fight me. Come to that show and fight me." Because he knows Brock is sitting at home drinking a Coors Light because Bud Light won't pay him nothing. And he ain't doing, he's not going to show up to this just to keep beating up Cody Rhodes. He should, by the way. I think that'd be a great bit of he just shows up to all these shows and beats up Cody. But he's not going to. We're going to eventually settle this. Talk about your loser friend, Cody Rhodes. Mm. So um, I'll say this. In the... In that match at Night of Champions, they made Cody look superhuman. If I wasn't a huge Cody Rhodes fan, I'd probably be pretty annoyed by it. If I'm not, if I'm, if I'm being honest, because it was like he was in that Kimura for like five minutes. I mean, that was insane. How come more? How come more UFC people just don't do that? You watch UFC, Jason. How come yeah. they just don't tap to that? Like it doesn't seem tap. like it hurts that bad. That's true. And Cody had a broken arm going into it, didn't tap. Yeah. Um. Now. One thing I need to point out also is like, once again, just keeping it real. If this, I'm, I feel like I shouldn't even have to preface this, but I'm going to. And I, because it's, it's predetermined, it's pro wrestling, it's sports entertainment. I get all this, but how would you ever be cleared to wrestle with a titanium cast on your hand and, and that not be considered a weapon immediately? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, 
You were you could this for years with Lex Luger. It's I okay. know with the titanium plate in his arm. And guess what? Yeah. How many times have I compared this Cody Rhodes scene to Lex Luger? And here's, this, <laughs> and here's and here's another comparison. I honestly think Vincent Man is doing a do-over of Lex Luger with Cody Rhodes. Like it's the same, it's a lot of the same kind of stuff. The difference being Cody has to eventually win the title, but Lex didn't. Nah, Cody, Cody is going to show up to uh, Dynamite next year in his white uh, button-up and, and slacks, just oh. wandering out. Like, what is Cody doing here? What's going on? He was just on WWE TV earlier yeah. this week, being a mm-hmm. dork. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, those things aside... I thought it was clever how Cody used the cast, you know, because he was allowed to. So, like, why wouldn't he use it? Um, there was a few points in the match where I thought Cody was actually going to win. Like, he hit him with, like, three different crossroads, I want to say, during the match. Um, and again, survived the Kimura for, like I said, like, the total of probably about five minutes he was in that thing. It was insane. Uh, he never tapped out, which is a big key here, which we both kind of talked about last week or leading into the match. We were like, Cody shouldn't tap, but, like, we expected him to lose. Although I picked him to win a Russell Rumble because I'm too biased. Um, you know, here's my thing, man. I guess as long as... Because clearly they'll do this again at SummerSlam. That'll be the trilogy. I'm a, I can't say anything is for sure because I thought Cody was for sure going to win the title at WrestleMania. So like, I can't ever... Like, nothing's a lock here. But my gut feeling is, okay, well... It would make sense now, I guess, if Cody and Brock wrestle at SummerSlam. Cody straight up beats him. But now do we have to wait until WrestleMania to do Cody versus Roman? Which is probably what they'll do. So we probably have to wait all the way until next April or whatever for Cody to get this payoff to beat Roman. That's assuming plans don't change. That's assuming more injuries don't happen. It's assuming a fourth world title isn't created. You know? Um, by the way, I'll, I'll say that real quick. AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins was awesome. Those guys still rule. I, it's unfortunate that the, the title that Seth's carrying around to me is just valueless, in my opinion. That, you know, I just I just don't see the point in, in, in it existing. But I'm glad that Seth – I'm happy for Seth. And I thought that him and AJ did great. And I also said – we were saying on this show for weeks leading up to the brand uh, – to the draft, I said, hashtag brand split isn't real within within weeks if not as it within weeks they'll just be on every show anyways or it'll be like it never happened to begin with which is basically what's happened paul Heyman's been on both shows the whole time aj styles was on raw you just as you mentioned cody then we had smackdown the last time they tried doing this they just gave us that bullshit uh wild card rule is just like a blanket excuse as to why everyone was just popping up everywhere anyways the brand split isn't real which makes it even more frustrating that they have three world titles like you have, you have one show. It's really one company with one roster, and they just they soft split it really, but but under the guise of a, of, of two brands. Um. So they don't need all these titles. It's, anyway, anyway, that all that all said. Back to Cody and, and Roman and all that and Brock. You know, I. I guess if Cody if Cody beats beats Brock at WrestleMania, then he then he or sorry beats Brock at SummerSlam, then beats Cody or beats a uh, Roman WrestleMania, then then cool. I just think they're doing it all a year too late. And there's a lot of intangibles to where maybe that doesn't happen. When's money in the bank, by the way, that's July. That's, so, that's the next pay-per-view. So that's before SummerSlam. Okay. Yeah, so SummerSlam. It might actually be June. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's before SummerSlam regardless. So 
so there's also the possibility of Cody winning money in the bank. And that's how he gets on to SmackDown to challenge Roman. Because he's technically on raw, but I don't think money in the bank is the best. You could one route you could go. You could have Cody win money in the bank. Cause he was the other thing. You don't necessarily want to have him win the Royal rumble again. Cause you did that last year, unless you have him win from number one, but then that's too predictable. I, Maybe the move is Cody wins Money in the Bank, unless there's a possibility Cody's in Money in the Bank and, and Brock costs him winning that match, just like he costs him the world title uh, tournament and all that, and like that leads to SummerSlam. That's possible too. But maybe Cody wins Money in the Bank. He puts his Money in the Bank briefcase on the line against Brock at SummerSlam, and Cody wins that, so he keeps the Money in the Bank briefcase. And he cashes in his money in the bank the night after SummerSlam, but he doesn't cash it. He hands it to to Triple H in the middle of the ring and says, WrestleMania 40 main event. I've got I've got Roman. I've got whoever the champ is. We're assuming it's Roman. Um, and he just he calls his shot then. And we know from SummerSlam to WrestleMania, Cody has the title shot. And it's on them to keep the fans behind him between them, you know, then. Because I think that there was a chance they were gonna do that last year. There was a chance Cody might have won money in the bank last year. Because they were, I don't know if you remember this, but when they were, when they ran the initial commercial for Money in the Bank last year, Cody was the guy in the in the video, and they were talking about how the winner was going to get a, a WrestleMania main of a WrestleMania title shot. Like I don't know if it was a mistake or or they had it like one time, but I clearly remember. And people in the chat might need to validate this, but like I clearly remember them advertising because it, it stuck out to me it being different of me being like. They're making this really sound like the winner of the Money in the Bank is going to wrestle at WrestleMania for the title. Like they aren't making it sound like it's going to be an anywhere, anytime type thing. But then when Cody got hurt, I think they changed it to just like Money in the Bank's Money in the Bank, how it was going to be again. But I honestly think there's a story there they want to tell of Cody cashing in Money in the Bank well in advance and just calling his shot for WrestleMania months in advance. So that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to say Cody wins Money in the Bank. He beats Brock at, at uh, SummerSlam with the with the briefcase on the line, and then he calls his shot months in advance for the WrestleMania main event. And then he finally wins the title WrestleMania 40. I think there's a lot of assumptions that Cody. Of course. Oh, sorry. Going... Oh, that's from me. I was like, no. <laughs> I mean, they're from you. They're from you. But oh, in sorry. general, in general, I think there are a lot of assumptions that Cody is going to be the one to dethrone Roman. Right. And I'm not sold that that's happening at this yeah. point. I I think that Roman, and he's talked about it, of elevating his family and everything. I think someone currently in the bloodline, whether it be Jay, whether it be Jimmy, whether it be Solo, I think that is the guy who dethrones Roman right now. And I'm not sure. And maybe Cody is the person who beats that person. But I'm not positive that Roman is losing anyone else besides one of his family members that's kind of where i'm at right now especially the way things played at night of champions and then we've got tomorrow night um on smackdown as well with the 1000 day celebration i'm not i'm not sold that cody is the guy to end all of this i'm more leaning towards a family member is the guy to and maybe Maybe that's The Rock. I was about Maybe to say, The Rock I was about to comes say. in and he's yeah. the guy that does it. And then Cody beats The Rock, which is still an, obviously which a big be win. 
Tight. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it maybe it's not Cody that that ends all this, and I, maybe it is a family member. That's kind of where my brain is leaning towards right now. Listen, like I think it should be Cody, obviously, to beat Roman because I think whoever beats Roman, it should. Because we've seen, like, we saw we saw The Rock and CM Punk's 434 day run, and even back then, we were like, this should have been. Like, I'm not saying it should have been Ryback, but it should have been somebody like that. That was like, you know, on the, on the come up, you know, like it didn't need to be the rock. Um, but I could see, listen, if they want to do the rock versus like Cody Rhodes, like next year's SummerSlam or something for the title, that would be incredible. Um, I love the idea of Cody versus the rock because it would be huge for Cody, but I do still think Cody should beat Roman, but I, I think I think The Rock has a better chance of winning the world title than either Uso or Solo. Honestly, I, I really do. Um, I can I, see. I, I think I think Jay makes the most sense, by the way, of the bloodline if they were going to do that. But I don't see. I just don't see it. And you know that's that's possible. I think Jay is probably the the best option as well right now. I think that's the biggest story. I think that's what a lot of people are leaning towards is it's Jay because he's been attached to all of this since the start and like the bloodline being the bloodline kind of starts with Roman beating him and then being like, acknowledge me. So I think Jay would make a lot of sense. And that I understand that people might be, wait a second, you're going to put the belt on Jay. You're going to put the belt on Jimmy solo. Are these really the guys to carry it? And I understand the hesitancy on that, but they can make these guys, man. They can, they can make these guys and they've been making these guys, throughout this entire storyline now whether the fans are totally sold on these guys is a different is a different story and they got to do probably a little bit more work to convince fans like these are the top guys there's no you didn't you didn't have to convince that with cody at wrestlemania you didn't have to convince that with sammy at elimination chamber either those two felt like top guys in that moment and in some ways have felt continued to feel like top guys since even losing uh, you know, do the Usos, does Jay get to that point where it feels like, oh yeah, he can be the one to dethrone him? Does Jimmy solo get to that point? The Rock, obviously, he comes in, he's there. He, there's no like feeling of, oh, the Rock can't dethrone him. So there might be a little bit more work to do, but it does yeah. feel like it's going to be a family member at this point. Yeah. Jensen, I know you got to run. It's okay. I'll say one last thing here. Like I, I could like keep picking up on this kind of stuff. I, I saw Cody on Raw on Monday and he straight up said, he was like, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of like, there's a, there's a guy who y'all used to see all the time. always talking about never giving up, you know, and hustle. He's clearly being, he's like, he's their new Cena, but he's got to be a winner for this to work. Like he's, he's alluding to hustle, loyalty, respect and never giving up. And he has his own stuff of, you know, doing the work and all this stuff. He's out there doing the make a wishes. He did the make wishes in Saudi Arabia. I think they said he was like the first guy to do like the like the first group of like make a wish for for the people over there. You know, like he's he's the guy you've been looking for to replace Cena. The only downside, of course, is that Cody's almost forty years old. So like you gotta make you gotta make this happen now and start preparing for your future based off of Cody being the guy for the time being. So make it happen. But yeah, I I. Uh, I do have to clock in for work. I appreciate everybody that's uh, that's watching this, and you're all going to enjoy this interview with uh, Logan Logan Leroux and uh, and Ernie Osiris. Uh, I hope you all enjoy this. And uh, yeah, yeah, I got to go. Uh, got to go work for the next like nine hours. But good seeing you, Jeremy. Good seeing the chat. And uh, go Cody Rhodes.
go AEW, and hey, go CM Punk. Let's 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 see how this goes. Let's see how this goes. We got we got we got two more weeks before it actually shows up. You'll hear plenty more about it, I'm sure, right here on uh, on the spotlight. So, um, see y'all. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy your day. Uh, have fun. I guess at the the shoot job um, for the overtime. All right. Uh, Ray is asking. I never catch show live. What time do you start? Typically nine thirty uh, today. And last week we had, and I have sometimes we have to we have to do eight thirty. But typically nine thirty on Thursdays is when this show airs every single week, so everyone can tune in nine thirty a.m. Eastern on Thursdays. All right. We, as Jensen mentioned, we had, he is embracing the chaos. I love it as well. Uh, we have an interview with Ernie Osiris and Logan LaRoe from uh, Fight Pro. Logan is an independent wrestler who's worked uh, for various companies, including on AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. And Ernie is the events manager for Fight Pro. Uh, they will be debuting on IWTV on June 6th. Uh, new, not a new promotion. They've been around a little bit, but new to IWTV and also just a different kind of concept when it comes to, to wrestling. And if you like the real sports element of wrestling, they're trying to really lean into that and, you know, see how that goes. Prince Nana is the owner of fight pro. So for those looking for a kind of a, a big name tie in there, Prince Nana is the owner of fight pro and Ernie is the events manager. And yeah, Logan is one of the competitors. Uh, they got a lot of people involved. Friend of the show, Vinny Pacifico is part of it. Robert Titus is part of it. They're bringing in other names as well. So here we go, everybody. Our creator spotlight with uh, Fight Pro events manager, Ernie Osiris, and independent wrestler, Logan LaRoe. Welcome to the creator spotlight, the interview portion of the spotlight here on Fightful. I, as always, am Steven Jensen, joined with Jeremy Lambert. And today, our guests are here to talk about Fight Pro, which is a new promotion or a promotion that's new to IWTV starting on June 6th. It's going to be exclusive over there, 13 episodes. We have not only the event manager, Ernie Osiris, here, we also have Logan Easton LaRue. Thank you both for joining us very much. How are y'all doing today? I'll defer to Logan first. I'm doing great. Uh, I'm here with you guys, ready to talk about Fight Pro and to spread the word about how sweet I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I too am well, guys. Thanks for having us on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We Thank you for joining, you joining us. us. We appreciate it. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Fight Pro uh, looks uh, very interesting. I've, I've, I've been doing some research and uh, seeing what you guys got going on. And um if, if, Ernie, if you want to kind of just start off by telling people a little bit about the company, because I love the, the concept here with like the divisions and the different, uh, you know, opportunities of getting towards the title belt and um, everything you got going um, with, with Fight Pro. So, right. So Prince Nana is the owner and promoter of Fight Pro. And right. he had come up with this. He, we all sat down one day. We figured out like, what could we do to make wrestling not better, but how could we be different from everything else? Cause everything you see on the independence is roughly the same. Everything you see on national TV is roughly the same. So we were trying to go in a different direction and that's when we came up with fight pro, um, you know, fight pro is based on rules. Um, if you break certain rules, there are violations for other rules. There are disqualifications. Um, it's based on a sports, uh, a sports structure. So basically it's season based. So we start every Every the first episode is usually our draft episode, which will also introduce how how the operation works. And then as you go on, you'll see we have three divisions, our hybrid division, which is uh, our men's division. 
which is basically the general rule set for all of fight. And then there is the grapplers division, which is our women's division, which gets a little more specific into rules, as well as our tag team division. We try to keep the three divisions, uh, two, three divisions, basically. And then, you know, you have your division alternates. If some, if a fighter can't show up one day, or if they have to bow out because of other obligations or commitments, we have alternates that fill in those spots. Because again, just like independent pro wrestling, everybody's looking for that opportunity. And we try to provide that opportunity in as many ways as possible. So the concept, I mean, seems kind of a little bit like MMA uh, with, with the divisions and everything. Like how much MMA influence is there when it comes to the alignments of, of the company? So honestly, everything is more or less professional wrestling based. I mean, the, the idea was not so much MMA. It was thinking like sports do, right? So in football, you get a flag or in soccer, you get a card. It's kind of like the same thing in fight. Our referees wear red wristbands. So when somebody, uh, when somebody uh, ha- gets an infraction or a violation, the referee will throw up the red wristband stating to the people in the audience that there was an infraction that was had, whether it was hair pulling or a punch to the face or uh, manipulation of the trunks or tights or gear. Um, And then for the fans at home, we have a lower third bar, uh, which has our time limit, the names of each each fighter. And then you get get four violations, basically. So the first one is a warning, which is like your yellow card. And then the next three are red cards, basically, which are your violations. And down on the lower third, on the bottom, of each fighter, you will see four dashes and they will actually light up so people will know at home and they will also see at home what was what happened to that in, to that fighter, what caused that violation. So it'll like pop up, warning, hair pulling, uh, violation, punch to the face, you know, so everybody can see what's actually going on and visualize and translate properly to everybody at home. Yeah, um... Logan, I've been following your career for quite a while. Um, you know, I actually, I know you've been, uh, you've been a wrestler for a long time, but I actually saw you uh, live, geez, years ago. Now I saw you at Southern Underground Pro against Alley Cat like forever ago. Now it feels like in uh, Nashville, and um, I followed your career ever since. Um, and how did you get involved with Fight Pro? Um, I know the event manager here, Ernie Osiris. I also have a very special relationship with Prince Nana. Could be King Nana if he keeps trying. Uh, and through that, I think they knew what a great athlete I was. So I was contacted to be in Fight Pro. And you'll see just how that works out when it airs on IWTV. Yeah, that would have been so long ago. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know that SUP is running anymore. Or they so, so we actually just we interviewed Kevin Ku just the other week, actually, coincidentally enough. And they're in a spot right now where obviously VIF is super busy as a tag team. Mm-hmm. But then... um. Uh, they're just looking for a venue, it sounds like, right now. Because um, I guess, like, Live Nation has taken over um, Basement East and a lot of the venues in Nashville. So it's just harder to book wrestling, I guess, now than it was before. Um, so they are still running, it sounds like. But it's been, like, a year since they've run a show. Okay. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Alley Cat snuck one on me. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I remember I remember that. Um, I mean, actually, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about your career as well. And I want to talk more about Fight Pro. We'll, we'll kind of try to mend the two. But... Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with blank as well. I mean, I want, I can, can you tell people about this or is this something that that's totally 
explain? You've heard of this guy? Yeah. Okay. You've heard of this guy? Okay. I've, I've heard of this guy as well. Didn't know if that was something that you wanted to just touch on it or not. Because I, I, I say I've okay. heard of I'm pretty familiar with his career. So if you have questions about Blank, I can try to help you. I was wondering what the status of Blank's career potentially is, if we might po- see them pop up. Because Blank has a guy, I remember seeing Blank get a win over Orange Cassidy, a straight up pinfall win over Orange Cassidy once. And like, I remember ever since then being like, I think big things are coming for Blank. And then Blank kind of comes and goes, you know, and I just, I, just wasn't, I just really wasn't sure. I figured you'd be the guy to ask, but you know, I wasn't 100%. He's, uh, he's kind of like P.T. Anderson or some of these other like great directors that'll like project and then make. Half a decade. <laughs> okay fair enough fair enough um yeah jeremy go ahead <laughs> uh, i was gonna ask about the the deal with with iwtv and that kind of how how that came together with, with fight pro so i'll throw that to ernie um so <laughs> it was it's funny because when we started uh the idea of how were we going to distribute this to everybody was the big topic of, uh, or the big question really. Um, at first we were trying to do it on our own and it's just, it's very hard to reach people, whether it be through like YouTube or even just through our website or, uh, for ourselves. Um, and then Nana and the, uh, the management team kind of came up with the idea of, well, let's shop it around. Let's see what happens. And, you know, at first we were hesitant towards IWTV and the only reason being was because there's so much content on IWTV. It's just, we didn't want to get lost in the shuffle. Um, but after sitting down and talking with them, we, we figured out it was the best home possible for fight. I mean, they've gone above and beyond to whether it be a commercial for us or a trailer to launch, um, uh, helping us with, with media, whatever it was, they, they really were on board with this idea and this concept. It was something original to them and they thought it would help their brand, I guess, as much as it would help us. And uh, hopefully, you know, when, uh, when it debuts June 6th, everybody's going to see that, you know, this is, this really is a unique concept. Um, We've always, for myself, at least, I've always wanted to see what wrestling would look like in a sports atmosphere basically and we do our best to provide that you know i mean you're gonna see like we get into like wild card rounds we get into the playoffs where there's a tournament basically um and then we get into our championship finals you know but um everything is really centered around trying to be as sports centric as possible with also understanding that you know it's professional wrestling and professional wrestling has to be the, the, at first, uh, the top priority basically. So, um, but yeah, IWTV was, was very eager to, uh, to have us as much as we were eager to realize that this was going to be a great home for us. When it's a, it's a, um, a tall task too. I mean, 13 episodes, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of content to be putting out there, but IWTV, it's like a proven formula. If you have a good product, like beyond, uh, wrestling and then, uh, with Southie's first, how they did beyond, or, um, I always call it beyond wrestling on charter territory. I had a habit, but, right. um, but, uh, you know, they, the weekly episodic type, I, um, action wrestling has done things similar as well on the platform, uh, weekly television and stuff. Um, so what are kind of maybe some of the challenges of doing like a 13 week show? And then also, I don't know if you mentioned this already or not, but like how many matches could you expect per episode? So we started, um, we started with doing like 
basically live to tape shows. And when we did that, we were doing six or seven, um, six or seven matches an, an episode, basically. So we took like basically a full card, we six or seven matches tops. Um, but now, you know, with time limits and we actually, with our sponsors too, which is a big deal, we've provided commercials for our sponsors. You're going to watch this and there's going to be, there's going to be commercials for our sponsors. There's going to be advertisements. There's going to be, it's almost going to be like you're watching like on AEW or a Monday night raw on IWTV. Um, but our shows generally range from anywhere from 90 minutes to two hours. So, um, we wanted to make sure that we weren't losing audience either, you know, because again, when you get into three hours, when you get into four hours, it's, it just becomes another independent wrestling show. And uh, we wanted to make sure that, you know, the matches everybody was watching were, were great matches, but also we have time constraints as well. And we tried to keep it to that. Um, I'd say the hardest part for all of this was, uh, was gathering talent. I think because you had to have, we had to have contingency plans for talent who got booked elsewhere, right? You know, you'll see, uh, we're very transparent. Um, when somebody forfeits, we give the exact reason why they forfeited their spot. You know, we're not, we're not making a story out of it. It's not, uh, it's not like, oh, we're not trying to undermine anybody either. But we wanted to be as transparent as possible, like any sport. Somebody gets injured, they got injured, so they had to forfeit their spot. Somebody, ha you know, gets a call up to AEW or WWE, well, you know, they got called up. They had to forfeit their spot. I mean, it's very, it's very simple. But to have the contingency plan to follow that, that was the, that was the difficult task. And uh, our team really took to that challenge. And everything very much is very fluent when you watch, you'll see like, it still makes sense, right? Somebody's out, somebody's in, it still makes sense. It's not up in the air of well, what the heck just happened here. So uh, I think that was the most challenging part of doing all 13 episodes. Have you gotten any uh, feedback from, from the wrestlers as far as how the rules work, how the formats work? Because look, I love the sports presentation of wrestling. I think wrestling could use more of that. Uh, but there is obviously wrestling is sports entertainment. You got to have your comedy segments and things like that, uh, especially if, if like it's national television. So have you gotten feedback from wrestlers of like, hey, I really like that it's this conduced when it comes to sports, but maybe we can expand on something here. And how, how do you like it, Logan? Also, like, how do you like the the format being a wrestler yourself? Uh, it's sometimes it's a little more difficult difficult however i think having those parameters and having rules it actually like i think for a lot of wrestlers in their minds it limits what they can do whereas i think it actually expands it because if the rules matter and you know your frame is important you have more it, you can really focus on what the story being to, or the action that's happening the win you're trying to get what you're trying to do to win as opposed to like uh pulling out a chair or i won't stop using the rope until the referee pulls me back or this or that. And like when there is, there's the real fear as a viewer and as a wrestler of like, you might get disqualified. You might have to forfeit this. And I do think to some degree, especially with a lot of independent wrestling now and wrestling on TV now, frankly, that's lost. So um, I think a lot of the wrestlers took it as a challenge, but kind of a welcome challenge and like an exciting um, opportunity, maybe even to go along with the challenge. I don't know if that makes sense, but, <laughs> no it does absolutely yeah it does sure 
Okay. Um, and has that been kind of Ernie? Has that been kind of like the consensus? Kind of what Logan's saying. Yeah. Um, our biggest concern, as always, as you see, is we didn't want the referee to be a third wheel. You know, the referee referee has always been the other dance partner in that in that ring, right? And to make it work, you need that third dance partner. I don't, I don't care who you are. You know, it it really works best when there's three parties working together to make something happen. Um, in terms of in terms of the uh, in terms of the rules, I mean, the idea was strategy, right? Nobody's saying you can't bend the rules, but it's really about how you use them to your advantage. Maybe you don't use them at all. Maybe maybe that's that's the way you want to run the whole season. But you know, we have a rule, and this is this is something that is actually new to professional wrestling. Uh, we have the ring out rule, right? So if you leave the ring on your own accord with both feet touching the ground, that's, that's a violation. It's a warning or a violation, depending on where you're at and your uh, infractions. So again, like you can take the time out, but we want to keep the, we want to keep the uh, match going in the ring. So maybe you do take the time out. I don't know. But the, on the flip side is if you go for a dive, that is also considered a ring out. So now, now that dive is more sacrificial to how the match goes and where you go in your match, you know, um, maybe it, maybe it benefits you. Maybe it doesn't, you know, another, another part of the uh, infraction rules is if you go to the time limit draw, the person with the least infractions. So a time limit draw, both people get a point, but then there's a split decision point and that's for the person who has the least infractions. So if you have the least infractions at the end of the match, you get an extra point, which hopefully will elevate you in the rankings in the, uh, in the long run. So again, breaking the rules, I don't know. That's really up to the person to decide whether or not it's beneficial. I like that. I like that concept. And it sounds like every point's going to matter a lot throughout the season. So right. Like so emphasize. so uh, you get four points for, an, uh, for a referee stoppage. So it's whether it's a TKO or a knockout, whatever the case may be. It's three points for a pinner submission. It's two points for a countout or a forfeit. And a forfeit happens when somebody reaches their max violations. Once they hit all four violations, that's it. The match is over. They lose the match. And the winner is the person, obviously, who didn't hit four, four, uh, four violations. And then you get the one point for the draw. Plus, if you get a split decision, then you get the extra point. And then you lose a point if you get disqualified. I love it. Um, oh, Jeremy, do you have a question? Go ahead. Yeah, do, do we have a studio show? for this because as a fan of all the real sports like yep. every, everyone has a studio show so do we have a studio show for this so in the beginning uh well i should say it like this what we had what we did this season and i think what we are going to do for seasons to come is we work with dojos so we work with uh different places we worked with uh super crazy pro wrestling in the beginning then in the middle of the season, you see a change of scenario, and we work with the Worldwide Wrestling Dojo and Cheeseburger. And um, at the end of the season, you're going to see we take it to the Monster Factory. And the reason we took it to the Monster Factory was because they, they everything has to grow, right? As you're you're starting from the ground and working your way up, so we wanted our our last show to be this, you know, spectacle of the show. And they have the entrance, they have the fog machines, they got. They got everything there. So uh, that was where we decided to go from there. Our, my, 
our goal in the future is to really work with other dojos around us. You know, um, I saw that uh, Drew, Drew Gulak's opening catch point up in Philly. Um, there's a couple other places that we really want to start having working relationships with and using their students and other talents as well uh, as top tier independent talents and combining all that under one roof. So is it a studio setting? No, but you'll see it feels like you're in a studio setting, especially when we get into the worldwide wrestling dojo. Oh, no, what I'm asking, what I, what I, what I need out of all this is like, I need like inside the NBA, like you got Ernie, Chuck, Shaq, <laughs> like breaking down all the matches like breaking down all the strategy and everything like I needed to throw to the booth. Like that's, that's what I need from this with the real sports feel. So it's funny. You mentioned that our first episode is called the fight insider. And that is where everybody's going to get acclimated to the concept. And um, the, we're going to have our draft episode, our draft selections there. It's a three round draft, but it's so funny you said inside the NBA because that's what we wanted the fight insider to feel like inside the NBA. So you're going to see a bunch of talking heads. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of people who have been friends for a very long time. And um, I think it's going to be enjoyable. And during the season as well, you're going to see our first episode of something called the round rundown, which is going to be like part in the interruption almost. Um, and that's going to be like those quick, fast, you know, uh, opinions and suggestions on every on everything that's gone on. What we hope is in season two that, that along with Enter the Fight, which is our our signature show, we're going to have the round rundown uh, on a different day that basically covers what every everything that happened on that previous round. I mean, you Very sold cool. me on all of this. So far, <laughs> I, I must say, as a, as a fan of just real sports and who thinks wrestling could use a little bit more of that it sounds like you guys are doing this the right way when it comes to that and i appreciate that because like a lot of some companies have tried to do this kind of concept but then it's like oh well it's wrestling we got to go into the sports entertainment side so it sounds like you guys are doing this the right way i'm sold i'm sold on it very cool yeah i um and you kind of speaking of that um Logan, I know you got a big match coming up on June 25th against a guy who's known kind of for like a pure rules style of wrestling in this kind of being similar in a lot of ways with like the structure and the rule set. Um, you're going to be wrestling um, Rhett Titus, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, what are your thoughts heading into this? And is this a matchup that you're also looking forward to? Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. My thoughts are, I mean, he definitely has. Sorry, that's my dog. Here, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He doesn't like red either, but uh, <laughs> uh, red obviously is very well versed in the pure rules sense. But I think I've done pretty well for myself uh, getting to this match with red. Me and red actually have a decent amount of history. Uh, I think my third match, red ran in and gave me a big boot and hit me with a move at the time that was called the muff driver. I was like 15. Uh, <laughs> Prince William County rounds in virginia uh shortly after that me and rhett wrestled in a cage match in an abandoned department store in uh stanton virginia which is bizarre i, actually, I still have a scar on my hand from that dilapidated cage uh so me and rhett have a lot of history i think he definitely has more experience with the pure rules but i think i might be a little bit better at playing with them than he thinks or he is yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You, did you 
I don't always trust cagematch.com, but I think it was, I think it said that you were, you debuted in like 2009. Is that accurate? Uh, my first match was 2008, but I was 17. So I, I mean, I think officially, yes, 2009. Gotcha. And, and, who, and who trained you and, and got you kind of, you know, got you into the business and everything? So I was trained by uh, Jimmy Cicero, Bobby Shields, John Kerman, and Christian York back at a place called Kaida. Uh, that's where Mia Yim, I, sorry, I can't remember what her current my group and nyla rose was well uh but yeah it was good i mean unfortunately that school closed i think in 2009 and like i said in virginia i couldn't wrestle until i turned 18 it was pretty much as soon as my birthday happened the school closed and stopped running shows so who were who some of your favorite wrestlers when you got into wrestling because obviously you must have been a fan at a pretty young age if you wanted to start doing it at, you know as a teenager yeah, totally. Um, for me, it was like Jeff Hardy, Sting, HBK. If they were like painted up or did like jumping moves, usually more of my guys, which is funny compared to how I wrestle now. But like super babyface. I mean, Shawn Michaels, I guess, is not. But like Sting and Jeff Hardy, <laughs> Rey Mysterio a little bit. Those guys sure. definitely. Uh, you Logan, you've made a handful of appearances on on AEW Dark. You teamed with Brett Titus on on AEW Dark. So, uh, a couple I, of questions. Team fight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a couple of questions on that. One, how did all that come together? And then two, what do you make of Dark kind of now being done with? And you know, a lot of independent wrestlers have gotten some exposure from that, and now they'll kind of lose out on that exposure. So, uh, yeah, both those questions. Yeah, uh, how did it come about? I like. Through my travels, like I said, my wrestling school closed down. So basically, since I was 19, I've been a vagabond, a nomad in independent wrestling. So I have appeared in a lot of places. And the benefit to that, though, is you meet a lot of people doing that. And hopefully, you know, you guys have a good match or they're impressed with you in some way and you make contact. So basically, just contacts through independent wrestling led to AEW through lots of people I've known in Chikara, especially. And then Sanjay Dutt. I'm sorry, he came from my school as well. He didn't do any training, but he's a kind of program for it as well. Uh, and then with Dark Closing, I I do really think it's a bummer because it was a great opportunity just for really like every level of independent wrestling. Like you'd see people on there who are pretty new and maybe like arguably not ready for the bigger stage. But how do you learn other than getting on those shows? And then you see other guys like... Uh, even like Rhett Titus or myself who have been around, Red obviously has been on bigger stages, but who have been around for a long time to finally kind of get that opportunity to show more of the world. That being said, I don't know that the views were super high for Dark or Elevation. They probably wouldn't have canceled them if they were killing it. But I do think it's a bummer that uh, that was a good opportunity for a lot of people and uh, even for their own guys in AEW to get the reps in. So I'm curious where the the new show and all that stuff goes and where that leaves independent wrestling. So that, I think that was a huge benefit, honestly, to independent wrestling while those shows were on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's looking like, you know, Ring of Honor can kind of be like that hybrid of like what Dark kind of was, almost like that in-between between AEW and 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 whatever, the independent scene, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of cool opportunity there with what they're doing. Um, and that's kind of a good, uh, kind of a tie in with like what Ernie was saying with a show like this, because, you know, you yourself, you know, you are getting appearances on AEW for, for, you know, 
Ernie's gonna have to be ready for 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 uh, the intangibles throughout the season <laughs> to make sure this thing this thing uh, goes all the way through. But um, are you? Can you speak to Race Jackson at all or no? Yeah, I'm aware of his career. I'm, okay, okay. I, I'm just so I'm I'm fascinated by somebody this creative that has this many you know avenues, different different things going on. What like wh- why? Like, cause you made a pretty big pivot. Like Logan Easton LaRue is much different than race Jackson. Um, yeah. like, like, I guess just like, why, like, like, why, like, why the chain? Race Jackson came about because he had done a Mike Quackenbush seminar like a year before. And like, it was cool. Learned a lot of stuff. Uh, nothing really came of it. Uh, and then a year later I got, or race got a call from somebody and basically was like, Hey, can you be Owen Hart? And race said, I'll try. Uh, they basically everything in the gimmick was kind of already there. They just needed a body and race didn't really know how to be energetic and was frankly, race was typically more of a rule breaker, bad guy than a super energetic baby face. But like I said, uh, I think race also grew up a huge sting in HBK. <laughs> <laughs> and so he did his best. It didn't always work, especially in the beginning. Like there was some, uh, some Roman Reigns, like John Cena type hatred for that energy group. I don't know if you watched no. regularly, but it was very, <laughs> the first our appearance was King of Trios and uh, energy was booed against the ice creams very, very badly. <laughs> It's funny that you brought that because I'm thank you for saying all that because I, I didn't I didn't know how much you would want to elaborate on that. I, I, I do. I'm familiar with um, kind of like the message board era of like all this. And there you, you, you I'm sure you're familiar. There were a lot of fans that that like went from I hate this Crash Jackson guy to I like Logan Easton. Like there was a lot of those people that did not like Crash Jackson, but they love what you do as Logan. So I just think it's I, I saw that shift happen. So that's kind of why I wanted to ask you. Yeah, that was like, so as Logan, up until that point, uh, I had been, I would say more or less in smaller places, or even if the shows drew, it was just like, here in the North Carolina, Virginia area, West Virginia, like, there's no real internet fan base, people aren't watching the shows, this is pre-IWTV and everything, so Chikara was the first time Race Jackson had been exposed to a wider audience, and it's like, oh, wow, it's like, there's the reality of, like, strangers talking trash about you on the internet that it's hard like um race jackson's partner hype rockwell was not as good about just like you can't respond like it's not good for anybody to respond and that being said some of the criticism was plenty valid i watched race jackson matches and i'm like that guy is super unlikable i don't know how he would have been cheered anyway but it all worked out no i remember i remember that era that was was, i remember that era of like fandom fondly of like people like trying to figure out like who's in the ant colony and like all that you know like that like that kind of internet era like so i uh no that's cool that's really good and that just speaks to like how long you've been in the game man like i mean this is what uh, i uh, almost 15 years now when you yeah so i mean uh i started training at the very end of my uh junior year of high school so yeah it's literally now half of my life i've been falling down (laughs) Oh man! I look. This is this is fascinating to me. I was not aware of the the race Jackson stuff and, and learning of this. So, is this a message board? 
thing? Is this what I'm? No, no. Well, so what I'm kind of saying, well, there were, there were this, these conversations and stuff like happening. From, so I don't know. That's kind of hard to. <laughs> what it was called. It was like the 101 forums or something. Like that. Yeah. And, yeah. And even since then, I bet even if you were to go to like, I don't know if I pulled it up right now. I went to cage match and just looked at like, oh. <laughs> like you could just look at cage match comments right now. I, I called, yeah, I can look right now. And there's people that are like the, the right here, the shout out to Dan talks wrestling from a, a comment in May of 2019. The former race Jackson has improved leaps and bounds over the last few years. And it sends switching. <laughs> um, uh, got a totally reverse course on this guy. The whole race Jackson stuff was bad, but as Logan Easton Rue and allegedly blank, he's been killing it. So it's like that's yeah yeah, that's yeah. if you go on that cage man like any uh Chikara reviews from like 2014 to 2016 there's a lot of ones that'll be like all positive about the show and then something about like I just hate race Jackson like kind of unrelated <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for like talking about that today because I'm sure there's a lot of fans that would like want to know about kind of the, the history with with you and these gimmicks and stuff so Sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm always happy to talk yes. about it. Or allegedly, you know, you know who yeah. these people are at the very least. So that's. that's... <laughs> oh, um, uh, if Fessa, go, go ahead, Jensen. And I was going to ask Ernie, like, um, because I know you got you know a bunch of other stuff going on with Fight Pro. Um, is there any other like big names, big matches, anything you wanted to throw out there, like for the Fight audience that's watching this today? Yeah. So, like you said, June 25th is uh is our season finale. It's a double header event. Um, we split, we split the show in half. So first, first half of the show is one event. It's called multi-man mayhem or the M3. It's going to be an annual event. It's where we, uh, where we let the rules go a little bit more. Uh, we maybe have a couple more scramble matches or a couple four ways. And the winners of those matches basically, uh, earn the opportunity to either get a contract uh, for season two and be a part of the draft and have to secure their position. Or for some, if they're in singles matches, they have the option to either secure their spot in the division or maybe even try and become a contender and compete for our inaugural championships, which are going to be crowned in the second half of the show, which is going to be called Rise of Champions. And there you'll see the main event is for the hybrid championship. It is uh, Rhett Titus and Logan Easton Leroux. Um, we also have our grapplers division, uh, championship, which will have the suplex queen, tiny Tenali, uh, going up against the greatest damn woman, Gia Scott. And, uh, we also have our tag team division, uh, title match, which is going to be, uh, Anthony Bennett from the Cruiserweight Classic and his partner, Tony Leanda, uh, taking on Dog Nation, Alan Clayball and Sage Matthews. Um, not only that, we're also going to have uh, Delirious uh, wrestling the only Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt World Champion, Bushmaster Tim Spriggs. And we will have, right now, I announced it today, it'll be the Savage Gentleman, Victor Benjamin, taking on the Ace of Space LSG. And plus, there's going to be more matches announced as the, as the weeks come. Yeah, I... Uh... I know there's like, I'll, I'll give a shout out to a, a good friend of the show that I know that you have uh, done some work with recently, Vinny Pacifico. What yes. was it like bringing in Vinny? Because uh, it was cool to see him on the YouTube channel. <laughs> well, uh, 
Vinny may get the boot. He was supposed to be on this last show, but when I saw that he's dipping his raviolis in ketchup, I uh, I think I may have to call it quits on Vinny. No, Vinny will actually be a part of the show too. Um, we haven't announced his match yet. Working with Vinny is uh, it's a lot of fun because he's very high energy. Um, he's also good friends with Rhett and came highly recommended. And um, he's got a personality, man. And again, you know, the goal in fight was to see these characters thrive um, under rule under rule sets, and I think we really see that in this uh, in this first season. Um, I I couldn't be happier with the team we've put together, the talent. You're going to see production value like no other. I mean, I have I have scoured. Uh, IWTV stuff, even fight the fight app. I've scoured looking for stuff that is remotely close to what we have. Our production quality is second to none. My team, uh, Trinivis Production, um, my backstage hand, Kevin Wood, and my creative producer, Jason Heat, really, really put together an incredible, incredible production quality, whether it be storytelling or whether it be the, the visual that you're going to see week to week on, on uh, IWTV. I got to ask about Prince Nana and the <laughs> shrimp cocktails. How much of the shrimp cocktails flowing at, at these events with Prince Nana being the owner of the company? You know, shrimp cocktail is flowing every single time I see this man. We um we were thinking about actually doing a um a embassy VIP exclusive ticket where you would not only sit with Prince Nana, but you would have shrimp cocktail on ice ready to eat Ooh. with Prince Nana. I thought, what an experience that would have been. <laughs> that's a, that's really good. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, but, you know, Prince Nana really, um, without him, I don't think this happens. You know, uh, there were countless times after Ring of Honor shows way back when I, when I used to work there. And um, we would just be in diners and we'd be talking about what we can do. And here we are now with fight pro. And um, I really think we have something special here. And I, I implore anybody to really give this a shot because these guys, you know, whether it was Logan, Rhett, Vinny, Moses, all these guys that have, that have sacrificed their time to make this something it's, it's going to be something special. I truly believe that. This is this is not your regular independent wrestling show. This is this is an actual TV product, which we hope someday grows into something bigger. Yeah, okay. if I can add on to what Ernie said, I don't agree with everything. I think the production is truly like outrageously good, um, and also just the roster is like there's there's so much knowledge with veteran independent wrestlers, and then like he said, the Mushmaster Tim Spriggs. Like if that guy's not signed within the next six months to 12 months. And there's plenty of people like the roster. I think like Matt Quay is a fantastic wrestler. Yeah. Devontae is a fantastic wrestler And uh, a lot of these guys, as good as they are, they might not always be on the, uh, the big streams that are happening. And. Oh, Oh, it just happened. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That might have been me on accident. No worries. Yeah. But I think uh, a lot of these guys on the roster, you might not always see them on the GCW stream or, that, like post COVID, I don't know that the streams are as as popular as they once were. But this is a, a crazy good roster. Just like almost, not even almost. I would say every single person on the roster you could pluck out and put them on 
TV on Monday or Wednesday or Friday. And I don't think they would stand out as being just an indie guy or anything like that. Very cool. Well, and speaking of that, Logan, as we kind of wrap up, I, I did want to ask you, you know, speaking of these like bigger promotions and stuff, like, do you have aspirations of working, you know, for any of those companies, AEW, WWE, anything like that? And also, is there, is there any like dream matches, like bucket list matches that you, you still have on your list that you want to, you know, check off before you're done? Yeah. I mean, if somebody hands me a contract, I'd be happy to sign it. I don't know how much longer. Oh! <laughs> how much longer I can. Uh, that, that three matches. I wrestled Chris Daniels last month, and I'd wrestled Jay Lethal last year. I'd like to keep crossing off former Ring of Honor champions, if possible. Uh, on top of the all-time dream match would be Jeff Hardy. I don't know how possible that is nowadays. Um, trying to think who else. The indies are like it is it's just so different from when I started or even like when I joined Shakar. It's just like guys are really like overnights and girls too, obviously, are like overnight sensations now. And it, and it's cool to some degree and it's uh maybe could use a little more seasoning, but it is really cool to see just like how quickly people can blow up and how good like I mean just almost any indie show you go to. When I started there were so many shows, it'd be like six matches of chin lock duck to clothesline and that was like the high spot of the show and now it's like every single show like everybody's just awesome like just great wrestlers <laughs> all i think as wrestlers and as fans to some degree we're almost spoiled with how good good wrestling is there's still things missing and i i think that fight actually provides something that is missing which is the the weekly episodic television with real stories and the sports presentation. Not every match has three bumps and a dive and all that kind of stuff. It, it's been wild even just seeing the progression of, of IWTV. Like, cause I remember, and I know you do too, cause I remember you competing for the powerbomb.tv title back when it was powerbomb.tv. So like, I, so like there was, um, I remember, but I remember thinking then it was like, wait, what? They're like actually going to consolidate like a lot of these indie companies and put them all on one platform for, yeah. you know, I think it was still only $10 a month at the time. And, um, and now obviously there's a lot, there's becoming a lot of streaming options, but that's with everything. That's with like what's happened with Netflix, what's happening yeah. with Twitch is, you know, it's, it's, it, it just, it's the natural progression of how things happen. But IWTV I, is, a, is something I really stand behind. Um, I'm a real big fan of Dylan Hales and a lot of the people that are like, behind the scenes there. I think they do great work. Um, and, uh, and I think it's really cool that y'all are a part of, of, of IWTV for this for this series because um, especially for you, Logan, like I just said, seeing the progression of like where you came from, where there there was no independent wrestling really even on the internet. Like when you started, maybe at best like ROH I pay per view, like yeah, be like the tippy top of wow. what you could, you know. And then uh, and to, to to now from that to Powerbomb TV and IWTV to where the, the landscape is now, I think it's cool that you get to be a part of all that. Yeah, definitely. And especially, like you said, with that, that iPay-Per-View, that growth of the independent, there's no AEW without that either, you know? And what WWE is now, I don't think that exists without that iPay, that internet wrestling culture really taking off. I love Dylan, too, and Jerry, so shout out to yeah. both. <laughs> yeah, good people over there at IWTV, absolutely. Yeah. Did they give y'all, like, a promo code or anything that y'all want to plug? Or obviously y'all can well, plug. Well, actually, before that, I apologize. We have a question we ask everybody, and it's kind of hard. I think y'all might be in a good spot maybe to do this. We ask everybody the coolest thing in their rooms. If you guys are able to, like, show us something cool that's in the room that you're in or in your house. We don't mind you getting up and showing us. Yes. Uh, Man, I'm, I'm in my kitchen. 
<laughs> what's that? What's that behind you, Ernie? Then the in the uh, frame. So, my wife and I, because we have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so it's hard for us to go on dates every now and then. But when we do, I bought us uh, our framed adventures, and what you do is you you scratch it off and you do whatever the adventure tells you to do, and then you put a little picture in there and you create a memory out of it, and it's supposed to actually be a bunch of pictures which we haven't really gotten around to doing everything's still blank so we've only scratched off one hopefully we're going to get that done this uh june 26th on her birthday but uh yeah that's uh that's our framed adventures nothing yet <laughs> oh, that's cool Look, i as you know we're talking a little bit off air about kids as someone also with kids i love this idea because i think we've had like one date over the past you know we've been married since october and there ain't been many dates because Kids are kids are kids. What are you gonna do, right? Was it so, was it to see Fast this. Ten? Was that the one date? Yeah, Fast, Fast Ten. 10? I took her to yeah. see Fast Ten. Yeah. yeah. My my wife, God bless her. She is she is very supportive through this whole thing, but she probably wants to kill me with as much time as I spend for Nana trying to do everything. Because again, you know, I'm uh, he he's doing his AEW stuff, so he's got me doing the calls to Dylan. He's got me doing the media stuff. He's got me, you know, whatever it is. The I have watched these shows about a hundred million times and I cannot wait till I get to sit down in front of IWTV and actually watch it as a fan. Finally. <laughs> yes. the, the wives are the true stars around. Especially they are. When, when, when you, when kids are involved, the wives are the true stars when it comes to pursuing passions and dreams. Yeah, they truly are. <laughs> Logan, what's the coolest thing you got? All right. Ernie did the romantic thing, so <laughs> I'll get a picture of me and my wife in the corner over here. But that's the basement where she makes me keep all of my cool stuff. Uh, I, my two Batmans here. Ooh, oh, nice. Yeah. Batman. Love it. And then uh, my first AEW match was against Tony Nese. I don't, I don't know if you can see, but yeah, I'm absolutely. the missile drop kick on him. Uh, awesome. My wife, actually, she's not super... Uh, into the wrestling, but she did get the, me that picture framed, so she supports it a little bit. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That, that's a that's a great picture there, and we like the Batman stuff too. I'm, I'm a big fan of the collectibles. If you can't tell behind me, I got a bunch of action figures. And stuff, <laughs> yeah, so. um, very cool. Uh, Jeremy, do you have any um, other questions before we uh, get all the plugs and stuff out there? No, I was gonna let you guys, you know, whatever you have to plug, where everybody can can find it. Like Jensen mentioned, if there's any type of promo code or anything, whatever you got to to put out there to plug. The, the floor is yours. Uh, Logan, you want to go first? first? Sure. Uh, nothing too exciting. Uh, VCW this weekend coming up on June 3rd down in um, at ODU in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, there's two shows that should be good. Uh, and then two weeks after that, I don't know if I can make this official yet, but I might be in Cleveland, Ohio against an old friend. And then obviously at the end of the month, June 25th, Fight Pro. I'm sorry you have to come to Cleveland. That sucks. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm from Ohio. I'm from Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said it. That's why I said it. <laughs> What's that? Mistake on the lake is Cleveland. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's you know, Ohio's Ohio. What are you what are you gonna do? Uh Ernie, how about you? What 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 can we put out there? All right. So obviously, please everyone go check out. June 6th, next Tuesday, starting at 7 p.m. every single week on IWTV, Fight Pro. And it's going to start with the Fight Insider. You're going to see our three-round draft. You're going to get the concept. 
We're going to, we're going to do our best to translate everything you guys need to know pertaining to what you're going to experience with fight pro and enter the fight in the coming weeks. Um, other than that, you know, uh, we decide, you know, because Nana loves the media so much, <laughs> he wanted to give your, your fans a, uh, a, a 15% discount for tickets uh, for June 25th at the monster factory. So if they go to fightpro.com and they go to grab their tickets or they go to Eventbrite and they go to grab their tickets, they just got to put in fight with two T's spotlight, all in all capital, all one word fight with two T's and spotlight. That'll get them 15% off on any tickets they choose to purchase. Nice. That's awesome. We appreciate Very that. Cool. Thank, tell, yeah. tell Prince Nana we said thank you for that. Hey, man. And then, you know, there's going to be shrimp cocktail too in June 25th. So <laughs> oh. everybody uh, better make their way down. Uh, also, just, you know, um, follow us on on uh, on social media. You know, on Twitter, it's at Fight Pro. Um, same thing with Instagram, at Fight Pro. And uh, Fight Pro Wrestling on Facebook. Uh, more followers we get, the better this is going to be. And again, we're just very grateful to be on here. I'm very grateful for the fans that are going to experience this. And uh, this is going to be a great show. I really, really feel like this is going to be something special that everybody's going to be talking about for years to come. Look, we, we, we appreciate you guys joining us. Again, I'm, I'm sold on it. I love the concept on it. I hope it works. Uh, I hope it is successful. And guys, all the information, everybody listening to this, watching this, all the information is down below in the description. You can click on any of the links right there, uh, whether it's the social media links, whether it's to buy the tickets, um, whether it's to use the, the promo code on the checkout. So check out all of that in the link below. Check out the show when it is on IWTV as well. Uh, premieres on June 6th and then the big show on June 25th. Everyone go check it out. Ernie, Logan, we appreciate it. Thank you guys for joining us here. Guys, we'll be right back here on the Spotlight. We are back. Thank you to Ernie and Logan for joining us in the Creator Spotlights. Everyone can check out uh, Fight Pro at the links below. You can follow Logan at the link below. Again, use the promo code Fight Spotlight. Uh, if you're going to potentially go to the event on June 25th, you can use the promo code Fight Spotlight. Get a discount on your tickets. We appreciate uh, Ernie doing that. Doing that uh, for our listeners and viewers, giving them a promo code to get uh, a little bit of discount on the tickets and and check out the show when it premieres on IWTV on June 6th. That'll do it for us today. Thank you as always to Stephen Jensen for hating on CM Punk. Uh, thank you as always to Steven Jensen for, for his insight and brilliance uh, and generally just setting up the, these interviews that, that we do. Uh, he does uh, the legwork behind the scenes on a lot of that. Um, thank you to everyone who, who tuned, sorry, I got a, um, a message uh, that, um personal thing. Apologies, everybody. That message came out of nowhere. Um, Thank you to to everybody who tuned in, the the viewers, the listeners. We, we appreciate it. Um, we'll be back next week. Next, we should be back on Thursday, Thursday at nine thirty, uh, unless you know something personal comes up. Sometimes Jensen and I, we got personal lives. 
we got to bump the show to 8.30. But otherwise, we'll be back at 9.30 uh, with a new episode of The Spotlight. Everyone can head over to FightfulOverbooked.com. Check out all the content we have going on over there. A lot of good content over there, including In the Weeds, which is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with myself and Joel Pearl. Tomorrow, a big episode as we celebrate joel pearl's birthday which is actually today but we're going to celebrate it tomorrow so that'll be tomorrow we got a great interview on wednesday with megabyte ronnie we also had matt from bread club uh previewing new japan dominion earlier this week we had mark hoke on the show talking new or talking aw double or nothing he was there live he got roasted by mjf at the media scrum so he was there to talk about that and yeah, we try to do our best to cover the world of professional wrestling Monday, Wednesday, and thir- Fridays on In the Weeds. Uh, check out all the other shows on, on Fightful Overbooked. Go over there. Uh, go to FightfulSelect.com. Go to Fightful.com. That's going to do it, everybody. Um, I got to deal with this message I just got. Things are good. I promise things are good. Uh, we'll be okay. Uh, uh, thank you, guys. Apologies for the, the ending here. Um, yeah thank you guys for tuning in thank you for all the support all the love all the appreciation we'll be back next week bye everyone when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply